It's time for Windows Weekly. I'm back, baby. Richard Campbell's here. Paul Ferrat is here. We've got Microsoft's earnings. They'll give us their analysis. Uh, the UK government says, uh-uh-uh to Microsoft. And what does that new update preview mean? We'll find out that and more next on Windows Weekly. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Windows Weekly with Paul Therott and Richard Campbell. Episode 826, recorded Wednesday, April 26th, 2023. Make it Suntory time. Windows Weekly is brought to you by ACI Learning. If you love IT Pro, you will love ACI Learning. ACI Learning offers fully customizable training for your team in formats for every kind of learner across audit, cybersecurity, and IT. From entry-level training to putting people on the moon, ACI Learning has you covered. Visit go.acilearning.com slash twit to learn more. And by Lookout, whether on a device or in the cloud, your business data is always on the move. Minimize risk, increase visibility, and ensure compliance with Lookout's unified platform. Visit lookout.com today. And by Collide. Collide is a device trust solution that ensures that if a device isn't secure, it can't access your apps. It's zero trust for Okta. Visit K-O-L-I-D-E, collide.com, slash WW, and book a demo today. It's time for Windows Weekly. Hey, everybody, I'm back. Sorry. Thank you to uh, Micah for doing such a yeoman's job. Such a, That's actually not, not a good thing, is it? Is a yeoman better than a journeyman? He did a no, good job. Yeah, he did a great job. Yeah, really yeah. good. Uh, but I am back, I'm sorry to say, and good news. So are Richard Campbell from Run As Radio and .NET Rocks and Mr. Paul Therott, therott.com and leanpub.com. Hello, gents. Did I miss oh, anything yeah. while I was gone? <laughs> it's been Ooh. madness nonstop. Nonstop. You missed the second half of Richard's uh, you know, whiskey lecture. Yeah, <laughs> the long was- part. <laughs> Uh, I think I referred to the Gartner hype cycle every show. That's right. (laughs) I was told that this class would be a seminar, (laughs) not a lecture. I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, this time we're going to do Japanese whiskey. So I'm excited about that because I'm very curious. It has a good reputation. And, of course, Bill Murray drinks it. So I will be very curious to learn more about that. But but first, a word... (laughs) We do, we do we have to do a show to keep the ads from happening all at once. That's all I'm saying. So <laughs> sure. so let, let's. Sure. There were some big stories. Actually, the big. I big, did not miss the big, big stories. Day. This has been a very very big day. Where do you where? Whence would you like to begin? Well, I think we'll start with the uh, the biggest story of all, and uh, the UK. Blocking. Atari just acquired over 100 classic games. Uh, oh, in the never mind. No, no, no. <laughs> Actually, I'm excited um, about that, but we'll save that for later. <laughs> yeah, I am too. Yeah. No, I mean, I think. Well, I mean, I threw it in the back. I actually meant to talk to somebody. I don't have your notes up yet. That's why I made yeah. you do this, but I'm I'm pulling them up right now. So I, I stuck this uh, the UK story back with the Xbox stuff, but maybe we should. Talk I think about it's that a pretty first. big story, don't you? I, there have been a lot of um, what I'll call WTF moments in this process. This and one's I gotta for say, sure. This is definitely the biggest one. And the reason is 
every indication was that the UK was going to just greenlight this acquisition. Yeah, they already said yes. That's what makes sense. Yep. No one has ever. So uh, of all the issues that anybody, <clears throat> Sony has ever raised, uh, nobody has ever really raised the specter of cloud streaming, right? It's always been Call of Duty, Call of Duty, Call of Duty. <laughs> then Microsoft has said, hey, guys, it's not about Call of Duty. It's about mobile gaming, you know, mobile gaming. And then the UK said, nope, it's about cloud streaming, this market that doesn't even exist. <laughs> but we're worried about it because, you know, that market leader, who's not from the UK, by the way, uh, doesn't have a, a cloud gaming kind of solution yet. So uh, but let's just, why don't we just see, what the, what, what? what the what worst thing was anything? their tweet. Uh, in which they announced this, the UK CMA Competition and Markets Authority had a yeah. PlayStation con- reversed, but still yep. clearly First identifiable PlayStation controller, PlayStation yep. controller in it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I get it. Okay. okay. I don't. Uh, I, I. I don't. I just. I'm just confused by it. It's just. It's like. Um, it's like walking around the corner getting hit in the face with a two by four. You just don't see it coming. You know, it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Their initial. So what happened initially was they said there, there, there was plenty of competition in the console market. Mm. So no problem. Nowhere is there. But <laughs> then they somehow decided mm. that, Oh, the cloud gaming market is it's entirely different market unrelated. Mm-hmm. Mm. And in that case, Microsoft is a leader, a dominant leader. A dominant leader. A, a dominant because Sony doesn't got out of the business. Sony had Gaikai. Sony had... Okay, like, just listen. Because I write about Microsoft, I, it's an unhappy truth that the term antitrust comes up a lot. I have to... Mm-hmm. I've had to research this. I look into it a lot. I understand what the differences are between different jurisdictions and whatnot. And I got to tell you, one of, the, one of the foundational truths of antitrust when it comes to monopolies and market power and abuse is that there has to be a market to be impacted <laughs> for this thing to even be a discussion. Yeah. There is no market for cloud gaming right now. It's nothing. It's the tiniest thing in the world. And I'll just tell you from kind of a practical standpoint, having actually used it, unlike apparently any regulator from the UK, that it's not going to replace consoles anytime soon, if ever. And the reason is, it's not like, in other words, like we go from one thing to another in a lot of markets, you know. The truth is gaming has just expanded to include lots of device types. You know, the biggest part of the gaming market is mobile, casual games, you know, things that I, I don't care about personally. That That's the big stuff. You know, Wordle has a, a more of a monopoly than Microsoft <laughs> does, you know. So, right? I mean, I, there's more people playing Wordle ever. I'm just saying. Um, you know? And then you get into the whole Sherman Act and say, and it has to be doing harm it has to, to consumers. Well, but this yeah. is the UK, and so yep. I don't know what okay. their rules are. But You could look yeah. at it from the, right, the, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the UK, the, the Florida of Europe has decided that. <laughs> that's, that's harsh. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. That's really harsh. I don't know. I'm sorry. So. Yeah, no, I'm you don't sorry. really hear them say UK man, you know, glues himself yeah, well, to the toilet. Give him some time there, you know. Okay, yeah, we'll, right. we'll say. So, look, I, I, I guess whether you're trying to protect competition, which is what is typically the case in the uh, in Europe anyway, yeah. or if you're trying to protect consumers, which is typically the case antitrust uh, in the United States, there is no harm here. 
<laughs> like there is no, there is nothing to protect. This market is wide open. I, if you were going to make a, a bet on the future, uh, you could make a good case for Sony, the dominant company of consoles, having a pretty big play in cloud streaming. You could also make a pretty big case that a company like uh, Google, which failed, could do a pretty good job of this because they have the cloud computing part of it. Microsoft does too. Amazon does too. Uh, help me again, but is Amazon Luna dominating anything right now? No. Um, a company like Apple or, uh, again, Google that has a big mobile play could have some kind of an impact in this market. Nobody knows. This is all speculation because this market doesn't really exist. <laughs> it's not important. Um, so I, I, to be, I don't mind. There's, there are arguments to be made about things that are true. You know, Microsoft does do this. I don't like arguments that are like Microsoft might do something, right? Or this market might turn into something. Yeah, it might, but we all have ideas. I mean, uh, there's no guarantee in a, a market this nascent that anything is going to happen. Um, that is a silly reason to deny this acquisition. Um, there are reasons to uh, to argue this point, right? There, are, there, are, there's a debate to be had. Absolutely, uh, not with this. <laughs> like the, not this part. Well, That's and, they, and they're basically incredible. saying like the only remedy is not to merge. We yes. would have to regulate otherwise. Oh, like, wow. They're not even leaving the core. They're not even really sure. leaving room for a negotiation. Well, the funny Can part they about stop that, this? Can they do it? Yeah, oh. sure. I mean, unless oh, you don't want to do of. business in the UK, right? Yeah. I mean, that would be the That would be the right way to do it. Say, hey, That's you don't want actually, Call of Duty, you don't need so, Call of Duty. Yes. Yeah. So, it, okay, if we go back in time, about 20 years, this was the argument that a lot of Microsoft enthusiasts were making about the EU. Screw these guys. If they can't figure it out, we just won't, you just don't sell stuff in the EU. What? It's <laughs> like one of the biggest markets in the world. But unfortunately for the UK, they decided being part of that market was dumb and they just drifted off on their own like an island. And yeah, now they're their own thing. And honestly, could you make a case for like, eh, all right, we just won't do a business there. I mean, I, yeah, but what if they said, if you don't give us Call of Duty, we may give you any whiskey. <laughs> yeah, sure. That could be problematic. Okay. Well, I mean, that's... No, a, they don't have a lot of leverage in this. I think no, they really don't. Saying. It does, but you know what? I, I don't even want to get into that. I, that's not... I, I, they I wouldn't, Microsoft I don't think it's It's not that. good business to this exclude such a, a market. Yeah, but, but this is such a big deal. And if it's only the... U, well, we'll have to wait and see what the U.S. does. But it's the only U.K. that blocks it. What do you do? Do you say, okay, well, never and the, mind? The, and the EU hasn't finalized right, either. Right. If the EU falls in, uh, in and says, okay. That's different. Like, yeah. I mean, so I almost that, wonder if the UK is just taking right. a flyer <clears throat> to see if anybody's going to join them. But <laughs> the argument doesn't make any sense. In other words, like, you know, I the complaint I had about the arguments we've seen so far from the United States, especially, but also from the EU, has been you're taking Sony's stance. I don't understand why you're backing this company. Uh, mm -hmm. you're just taking their side. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like I said, I think there's a debate to be had for sure. Um, and I think there are very, we've talked about this, very logical things Microsoft can do to answer any antitrust concerns around guarantees, around providing games and rival platforms, et cetera, et cetera. Every one of those applies to this imagined world in which cloud gaming or cloud streaming, whatever you want to call it, becomes some major market. You just ensure that the same guarantees exist. We will release Call of Duty on the Sony PlayStation of whatever stripe for the next 10 years. And 
anything that Sony releases as kind of a, if, if we put it on Xbox Game Pass or uh, cloud gaming, we will put it on whatever Sony's cloud gaming thing is called. We'll do that. And you know Microsoft would agree to that right now. But that doesn't sound like the UK that. is allowing for that, it sounds like. Okay, well, that's... They're saying, uh, you this, know, this is the just the way is it is. It's either, you, either, you know, we, you can't yep. do it. Now, by well, the way, I should point out, didn't the EU already give it a, a green light? I think it did. So the, sorry, we're the, waiting on the U.S. The FTC. No, the EU is not. Is not oh, yet. I thought they did. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're so that so that would be that would be a thing you could do. <laughs> but the, the, look, if if some uh, regulatory body was to make a good argument about this and and get some good concession out of Microsoft, you would expect others to look at that and say, "Hey, you know what? This makes sense. We're going to do this here as well." What the UK just announced doesn't make sense. No one is going to look at that and say, you know, maybe they're onto something. Yeah. You know, maybe they oh. have a minority report machine and they know what's the future crimes that Microsoft's going to commit. And we should stop that before it happens. We'll send Tom Cruise in. Well, their their concern was there might need there might be need for additional regulation. I'm like, aren't you bureaucrats? Isn't that what you do for a living? Why yeah. would you be avoiding yeah. that? I Right. <laughs> it's just, a, I mean... If they look, if they had come out and said, "Look, we're really concerned about Call of Duty, and we don't think that what Microsoft conceded was enough," I would completely disagree. But at least it wouldn't have come out of left field. Yeah, actually, and it's not. negotiable, right? You yeah. lead with a negotiation. This position. was just, this was like, you know, we've been, uh, we're almost eighteen months into this, right? So, um, fifteen months ish, I think. In, um, we have made the same complaint again and again and again and again and again and again. And now here's the decision. Oh, it's something else we've never discussed. Right. Wait, what? No, this is how my mother used to argue. What is this? This is crazy. Well, it smacks of bad faith, <laughs> you know? right? Like, that's yeah. really what it is when it's like, oh, Lisa, we lost that argument, so I'll make a new one. Yeah, Lisa calls it retrading uh, yes. or relitigating. Yes. And it's it's really a, a bad form, frankly, mm -hmm. to do that. Yep. You want to retrade the deal. You've already made a deal. Yep. yep. But what – all right, let's um, – let's uh, – it's kind of my job to raise straw men here. Mm -hmm. Sure. sure. Uh, what if the e let's let's say UK's presumption, which is that the cloud gaming market is a separate market, mm -hmm. if and they clearly think that, yep. then it does it. Then it does make sense, right? Because Microsoft, as small as that market is, blah blah blah, does dominate it, doesn't it? No, no. <laughs> Wordle does. No, they don't. It's the Wordle that they should go after. Yeah. But is Wordle cloud gaming? I guess it is. No, it is. I'm sorry. The Wordle, my Wordle joke was that <laughs> well, Wordle it's, is a casual game that's typically played on mobile. It's uh, it's part of a much bigger the market. Cloud. What is yeah, cloud a, gaming? Cloud yeah. gaming is cloud streaming, right? So in other words, you sit, you have a controller, and maybe you're connected to a smart TV, or you could be a so PC. Not, or they're a not talking about internet gaming particularly, but no, this no, idea no, of a this console is, in the cloud. Yeah. yeah. Um, and. So if Microsoft's dominant there, aren't they? Who, who else is dominant? No, but Nvidia. It doesn't matter or, if they're dominant no, there. This is I'm trying to imagine. Like, what yeah. is dominant? Nobody is. This is Nobody who's is. dominant in VHS players today? Right, <laughs> right. Like, what are we talking about? But this I'm just saying the UK a, regulator clearly thinks that cloud gaming is a market, a nascent market, and wants to protect it for competition. I, oh. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. There are established players in, in gaming. I actually just named all of them, but it's, you know, Apple, Google, Tencent. Um, 
Microsoft but cloud gaming and Nintendo. What you no, just no, described, talking, consoles no, no, in the talking, cloud. I am describing right now all of the big players, the top five or six gaming companies in the world, right? Yeah. So these are the guys who have the market power, the the cash, uh, the resources to enter new markets that where gaming might go, right? What's interesting is, and I don't want to go through this whole list, but it's bizarre to me that most of these companies have kind of stayed in their lane, right? Uh, Sony and Nintendo both, do, and Microsoft actually, do not have big uh, plays in mobile. Nintendo has released a handful of um, popular mobile games, but they, they're like, no, I think we're done. They've never gone back and said, hey, we have this rich library of NES and SNES and N64, whatever games from a million years ago that would play beautifully on uh, iPhones and iPads and stuff. They've never even entertained the idea of entering this market for some reason, even though it would bring them untold billions, like it would be the simplest thing in the world. They've never done it. Sony has like Microsoft has gotten into uh, game services that are kind of uh, not streaming, but cloud-based, right? Xbox game pass uh, PlayStation now where you have a library in the cloud. Well, that's like steam your device. I mean, yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I no. mean, Steam is the no, dominant, Steam's, but that's not but cloud not, gaming, right? That's a Steam's not a subscription service, right? Where you get a library of games. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, like, okay. Right? So, not a so, so, service. so, criterion number one is you got to be a subscription service. No, no, no. I'm just describing what these people are doing. I, what I'm saying is what what they're upset about is something that doesn't actually exist. What they're the, the market they're concerned about is what used to be Stadia. What is Amazon Luna? What is Xbox Cloud Gaming, which is a perk of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate only, which is $15 a month, by the way. It's not inexpensive. So does Microsoft dominate that market? Oh, and there's others too. GeForce Now, there there, Mm. there are other services, right? I mean, there's others, but those are the kind of the big ones, right? So I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, do we stop Ford from getting to EVs? Uh, because they make traditional cars, and what if they dominate that market? Do we, you know, do you like? Do you yeah, stop, I understand. Uh, no, I completely agree with. Don't think I don't agree with your argument. Because yeah. damn it, I do. <laughs> it just but, doesn't make sense. But I'm just trying to put argument. myself in the mindset of the UK regulator that clearly said we can, because this is what the whole thing happened was. At first, they said, okay. "Oh, it's not a problem," and then they said, "Well, but if we separate cloud gaming out, it is," and that's where they're. Okay. That's what they're doing. I, I, the problem I have with this is. I was tell, talking to Richard about this before the show. Like, um, there's no scenario where cloud streaming, gaming over like a cloud stream game, takes over for any of these markets that exist today, right? So the big markets today for gaming are mobile slash casual. Um, That's always going to be dominant. P- I agree with you. He's PC yeah. and console, right? Yeah. You know what I'd, I'd point out? Mm-hmm. Boosteroid, which is one of the few like independent cloud streaming, small okay. UK company. I never heard of them. Oh, Oh, they're protecting Boosteroid. Oh, and by the way, Boosteroid came out today and said we completely disagree with this decision oh, and really? we support Microsoft's acquisition. No, really? Uh, did yeah. they? Yeah, really. They really did. Love it. Yeah, they completely disagree with this. It's not like Just Boosteroid, no Boosteroid called itself Preparation B. <laughs> it's not like they ever went to the government that of the country they live in and said, "Hey, could you protect us so against this belligerent monopolist?" Sony they asked, asked for, for it. it. Yeah, Sony right. asked for it. We know that, right? Otherwise, look, I, I there are uh, my point is only this: Apple, Amazon, Google, Tencent, Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, all have the ability to compete in this market if they want. 
Most companies are not. <laughs> and having actually used these services, like I said, unlike most of these people probably, I can tell you we're not ready. This is not taking over. This is not replacing something. Yeah. Like, in other words, Microsoft's like, hey, we lost in console. We need to dominate in another market so we can, you know, not worry about that. That market is not cloud gaming. That market is mobile. They need, and they're never going to dominate that market. They're just going to be competitive in it. So in the same way that Windows used to dominate personal computing and is now just a small, a rel, well, a, uh, not the biggest platform, let's put it that way. Microsoft today is a much bigger company than it ever was and they're very, very successful and everything's fine. Microsoft is never going to dominate mobile gaming. They're never going to dominate a market that is big and powerful that is called cloud gaming. It, it, that's not going to exist. It's just a perk of this other stuff. Yeah. It's just another way but to they game. are well positioned with their game pass to ultimately that's create a subscription thought. model for all games. That's what you I know. And the more, and yeah. the, this, this gobble up of all of these uh, gaming studios to me, it always seems like they're trying to fill out game pass as wide as they can get it while there's companies to buy. Yeah. So, but yes, but if we, uh, you know, to, if we understand the history here, the one other reality we need to um, just remember is that, this was Sony's strategy for many, many years, mm -hmm. and Microsoft ignored this. Microsoft got rid of game studios, right? It wasn't until fairly recently, and yes, maybe to the shift of, like, how can we make Xbox make sense within the context of the new Microsoft and the Satchel and Cloud Computing? We could do this other thing that they started buying up game studios. So this is really Microsoft responding in many ways to Sony mm -hmm. and to a company that has dominated this market for the past, you know, whatever, 20 years, whatever it's been. Um. So, yeah, I, I mean, my, yeah, Microsoft's a big company. They can afford to buy game studios. So can Sony, by the way, and they have. And, mm -hmm. we, you know, we, can, we don't have to go down and relitigate the whole thing about exclusive games and blah, blah, blah. We, I think everyone understands the issue. But this, this cloud thing, what are we talking about? <laughs> it's it's <laughs> a left field move. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I yeah, I mean, uh, does, I mean, does Microsoft have the best? Cloud gaming service? I mean... Only if you don't necessarily understand what cloud gaming is. Right. I mean, the one thing you can't do on cloud, at least I can't, is, you know, play a third-person shooter with mm -hmm. great graphics, especially multiplayer. It's just this, the latency, the lag, whatever yeah. you want to call that. It's just well, and that's great. got nothing to do with cloud. Work. That's got everything to do with internet. Like, welcome right. to reality. The speed of light is a tough rule to break. Right, which is the de de uh, defining feature of this type of service. It's not, you know, it's, I mean, look, we, people play games on phones because everyone has phones. It's convenient. They could be standing in line at a supermarket, tapping away on some jewel game or whatever. It's no problem. For someone to to suspend the money it costs to, do a cloud streaming game thing and that, and then be in a place and using a device where this even makes any sense at all requires effort and money. Mm -hmm. And that's not what these people are doing. So Microsoft and, says it's going to appeal, but who, yeah, I yeah. don't know who, to whom you appeal the queen. I'm sorry, the king, <laughs> right, right. Who to whom does one, appeal? I would like to appeal to common sense. <laughs> um, that's I a good one. I don't know if common sense can overrule. Uh, in fact, yeah. my experience is it does not overrule governments. Um, so this, is, I'm sure they can work their way through the the UK courts. It's got to well. go to court. Yeah, I guess <laughs> yeah. There'll there'll be plenty of yeah. you know white powdered wigs and things. They'll be fun. Yeah, sure. Solicitors, John Cleese could be in an ad. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, 
I'm sorry to upend your uh, your order, your orderly progression. No, no, I, no. Actually, I, I I meant to discuss the placement of that one story because I felt like maybe that should have been the top story. I think for a lot of us, it's like a it's a big story because it's like, what the hell? And what does it mean? I mean, yeah. how do you go forward after this? Uh, right. I mean, I, I look. I, I mean, a lot, I've, a lot of people on Twitter or whatever, like, oh, Paul's going to be really out of his gourd on you know Windows Weekly today, and it's like. Uh, anyone who knows anything about anything should be confused by this. This is not yeah. you know, everybody should be me overreacting with something. This is yes. like this doesn't yeah. this doesn't make any sense. So we were waiting. I mean, in May, I guess uh, the U.S. will Ministry of Judge will decide, and I th- mm-hmm. I think they will probably follow all those other countries that have said, yeah, yeah, that deal that you made to just you know get rid of this and that. Right. And, uh, that was well, that was by enough. the way. The one in, the one interesting thing I think this is a fact is. About all of the countries that have approved this deal, I think, I believe this is true, I don't think any of them have required a single concession. Right. Right. The, the countries that have said okay, and there are several, have all said without conditions. Saudi Arabia, right. Brazil, Chile, Serbia, Japan, which is probably the one that really matters here, mm-hmm. South and Africa. it's funny. Yeah, isn't that yeah. ironic? Sony's home country is like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Like, what is uh, going- the EU Guys, will make its decision May 22nd, uh, although... Okay. The reason I thought they'd already decided, Reuters said last month that it was likely to be approved. Yeah. Well, they said the same thing about the UK. Yeah. Right? Who the UK knows? was likely to be approved. They, and maybe that's what's going on is the uh, the UK is saying, like, as you said, let's see who else will go along with this. And Did we're they still put waiting money here. down on like a Vegas bet or something? Like they were trying <laughs> to screw with the results? Watch <laughs> this. Know? Watch this. And then I was wrong. I think it's August that the administrative judge uh, yeah. takes it up yeah. in uh, the U.S., I mean, well, are we rooting for this deal to go through? Like, is this a good thing? I know Microsoft is, but you is know this- what? I let me let me. I want to be clear about this because I think a lot of people just assume like rooting. You know, it's a good word. Like I'm like we're cheerleaders or something. No, I don't. It doesn't matter no, if it goes through. I, I don't right? care. I, I I don't mean to say I don't care. I, I I do play Call of Duty. It's going to impact me in some way. Um, I. My point is only I just don't see any valid reason to yeah, try to block no, I this agree. deal. That's all. Yeah. It's not an emotional thing. I just, I just look at it logically and I'm like, I, I just don't. It's and, not the and, end of the world if it doesn't go through for Microsoft, maybe, but not. For no, yeah. it doesn't. That's it's not going to change my life at all. It's not as I, bad but, as, as like mad dog hot dogs going out of business. It's not that, it's not at that you level. Know about that? that is the worst thing that has ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I am dude, I'm the kiss of death for restaurants. This is always happens mm. to me. Every time I fall in love with the place, they're like, oh yeah, we're retiring. Mm-hmm. You know, like, every time. How do you know about this? <laughs> Insta- this come up Instagram. <laughs> it's like that. You keep posting. So I have to share. I have to say I share your passion for hot dogs, uh, oh God, which is, by the way, you know, the, the next best thing to slow suicide. But uh, I so I notice every time you post a hot dog. I see. And then I saw, maybe it wasn't you, but so somebody. You have, in, is there a picture you can bring up of the hot dog? Because it's a pretty good looking hot dog. I got to tell unless you. Unless you're a purist. I'm kind of, sometimes I go, I just no, want listen. mustard and relish. I don't. No, I hear you, but oh, this is better. This this hot dog is so fresh, it almost feels like health food. <laughs> now, here's the real. Yeah, good. Good one, Paul. And almost convinced me. <laughs> here's. Every time I have a t- hot dog, Lisa says, "You know that's going to cut your lifespan by uh, by half an hour." 
Um, I would say, so is all the complaining. (laughs) (laughs) See, I need your wit. I need your wit. (laughs) Oh, well, maybe I don't. (laughs) Uh, The the thing to me that's most important is the actual hot dog. I know maybe that's not the case for some. No, I agree. Uh, And it's got to have a nice snap when you bite into it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? Am I wrong? No, yeah. you're right. And actually, right. when we go to the we go to minor league baseball games here in uh, the Lehigh Valley, and I don't get the normal hot dog, I get the um, what do you call the the brat, the Polish, uh, the brat, the smoky, or the Polish, yeah, the Polish sausage. What's the yeah. Polish sausage called? Kielbasa, a smoky kielbasa. It's he gets fantastic. The kielbasa. And, it, and I order it plain, and I, I do what you were just talking about. It's just uh, mustard. Mustard, mustard and relish. That's it. Yellow Polish. mustard. Yep. Not Dijon. Yeah, yeah. Oh. oh uh, <laughs> If you want to see me really upset, give me honey mustard on a hot dog. Oh, why? <laughs> yeah, please. That's people. happened. I'm like, what is people. what fresh hell is this? People, let's get serious here. You've gotten way off target here. Anyway, yeah. well, I don't, I don't mean I'm to just, drag you know, back I'm to stalling. the gaming part of it. No, no, no. I'm yeah. stalling because I want to pull up a picture of this hot dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't mean to drag you back to the gaming part, but for my <laughs> friends who are in the gaming industry... There's yeah. a lot of folks who are really looking forward to Bobby Kotick going away. Uh, oh, well, God, that's yes. true. Activision is a yes. problem. That yeah. that is that's almost the number one reason to let this go through. Yeah. Well, and right? and generally speaking, the folks I know who are working for other groups right. that have now been acquired by Microsoft, like Microsoft's HR and sort of policies around mm-hmm. things, make for better work. So you know, yeah. folks are happy. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So here's a Mad Dog's hot dog, which I can't believe right. this is yours. It must be your wife's. Has lettuce nope. on it. No, that, no, no. That's mine. And let me tell you what this thing is called. It's called the Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking it looks like a Chicago it's dog. It's a Chicago yes. dog with that pickle wedge. It's, but what's exactly the lettuce? Right. The lettuce. It should it's, have bright uh, listen, green relish. I told you on it. it's it's it does and underneath it's fresh and wonderful and it is. <laughs> oh, I'm so depressed. I want that dog badly. That's how we can walk there. That's how close that place is. Roy's at the yard, which is. Also walkable here. It's the place actually mm-hmm. where cows go to die. It's the uh, auction yard Jeez. for cattle in Petaluma. But they exactly. also have uh, a Roy's at the Yard restaurant, which features Chicago dogs. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're supposedly good. I've never gotten over there. Although I, I worry because I think it's a Vienna sausage hot dog, which I don't You know consider. what? That, that might be interesting. I, th- I, I Like I said, the Polish sausage thing is... I think Vienna sausage is actually the traditional Chicago dog, I believe. The problem is you grow up in the United States and you, you eat hot dogs. You think this is what sausages are. And, and oh, yeah. then you have good sausages. But here's the thing. Then you go to Nuremberg. You can, actually, you yeah. can make a really good hot dog that's as good as any sausage. It's just very rare. Yeah. Well, you guys got to make it up to Vancouver. We have Japa dog. What's a dog? Japa dog. Japa dog. Like, uh, does it have like yeah, fish eggs on it? It does not sound uh, good. Uh, Orange a little, and black a little, caviar. A little nori. <laughs> it sounds you know. vaguely racist and it doesn't yeah. sound good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Little, little Japanese meal. Japa dog. Man, a little teriyaki. Japa it has, dog. Uh, okay, yeah. That's what my, that's my grandma <laughs> called the Japanese sauce. from World War mm-hmm. II. Oh, yeah. um, okay. Anyway, let's move on because the on. other big story. So that was, in my opinion, I thought a big story. I, honestly, I think Mad Dogs was the big story of the week. Mad <laughs> Dogs number two. The number three story of the week was earnings. Earnings came out. Before you do that, though, I want to take a little break because uh, we, uh, you know, we don't want the ads to happen all at once. Uh, so let's put that on hold. You go get a dog. I'm so jealous. When is Mad Dogs close? Monday is the last day. Monday. Mm. Is it too late to get tickets? To fly out to McCungie. 
Uh, I was at the Philadelphia airport last Friday. I could have uh, oh, run right. on over. Pop down. Pop down yeah. for a mad dog. We had a five-day layover. Wow. Wow. Sorry, five-hour. It felt oh, yeah. like, it <laughs> felt like five days. It was only five yeah. hours. That's a long layover. Yep. But that was so customs could examine our luggage. Sure. Uh, perhaps you've noticed whenever you watch our shows, ACI Learning, the sponsor of our studios. Thank you, ACI Learning. We really appreciate that. Also the sponsor of our shows. You might say, well, what is ACI Learning when it's at home? Well, it, you may know the name IT Pro. IT Pro has been with us for a decade now, one of our sponsors. We love IT Pro. You now get the Audit Pro. You get the expanded practice labs. You get hubs. Which means, because everybody has a different way of learning. Some some people say, well, I like remote learning. It's convenient. But every once in a while, I want to spend some time with an instructor, another class. They have hubs, learning hubs. Where you can go actually in person as well. Individual training, yes. But I think your whole team needs to know about this. There are companies out there uh, with IT teams that are really the first line of defense. That are, it, it, Without your great IT, think about it. Without your great IT team... Does the business thrive? Does it survive even? you got to keep that team trained. And teams love the chance to take training from ACI Learning. 6,800 hours of content. Always new content. Always fresh because this stuff is constantly changing, right? That's why they have seven studios. And Monday through Friday, all day, they're making new material, new shows. Another thing I love about these is 6,800 hours. It's not hours. It's actually half hours or less. They... Because what they realize is no one can absorb a 90-minute lecture on anything, even whiskey barrels. You've got, you've got to you know, chunk it up. So that's what they do. They have transcripts you can read as you watch. Uh, they have hands-on labs. That's really important. Again, there's different learners, right? Some people need to read it. Some people need to hear it. Some people need to do it. Some people need to see it. It's all of that. They got it all. And it's training for everything, for your team whether it's CompTIA or Microsoft or Cisco or Linux or Apple or security or cloud and on and on and on. I mean, they've got it all. They've got it all covered. And your team wants this. You want it for your team because you want them to protect you. You want them to be up to date, right? CompTIA courses. Let's take that for as, a, as an example from IT Pro and ACL Learning. They let you level up your employees who are interested, as you ought to be too, in cybersecurity. These certifications... Of course, show that you've got a skill set, but it's more than that. They, they, they tell your customers that you're committed to keeping your organization up to date, that their data with you is safe. Our team, all certified, that's a big deal. And ACI Learning was with you every step of the way. Customizable training with a great dashboard that lets you assign little bits of a, or big bits or whatever to individuals, to teams, to groups. You can track their monthly usage. You can see their logins. You can see their viewing time. They can, you can see when they've completed tracks, when they haven't completed tracks. So it really makes it easy to, to see how your team's doing, to manage your teams. You get full advanced reporting, which is very great for showing uh, the board and the C-suite and, and customers that your team is getting that training. You've got very nice visual reports. So for teams from 2 to 1,000, and yes, there are companies out there with IT teams of 1,000 people, IT Pro and ACI Learning are there for you. Volume discounts start at five seats. In fact, you can even get a free two-week trial for your team. They've also got these great programs. Coming up uh, next month, May 18th, Thursday, 
2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, they're going to do a webinar, open to all, all things cybersecurity. Naomi Buckwalter, who's the director of product security for Contrast Security and founder and executive director of Cybersecurity Gatebreakers Foundation will be there. You'll learn what it takes to be a security architect. You know, it's kind of a higher level looking at it at a higher level. Tips for advancing your cybersecurity career, how to bridge the knowledge gap in cybersecurity for individuals, for, for teams too. Thursday, May 18th, 2 p.m. Eastern. But this is just part of an ongoing thing. ACI Learning is always doing to keep you up to date. From entry-level training to putting people on the moon, ACI Learning has you covered. Maintain your company's competitive edge with ACI Learning. All you have to do is go to the website, find out more. The team training is fantastic. Go.acilearning.com slash twit. And please use that whole thing so that they know you saw it here. That's really important to us. Go.acilearning.com slash twit. Go.acilearning.com slash twit. And if you're, if you're as an individual looking to start today, We've got a deal for you. For a standard or premium individual IT Pro membership, 30% off the offer code TWIT30. TWIT30. <sighs> do it. That's all I can say. Just do it. Go.acilearning.com slash TWIT. We thank them so much for their support. Of Windows Weekly. Couldn't do it without you guys. And supporting the studio and all of that, we really, we really appreciate this. All right. Now, it's time for some earnings, learnings. Wait, I have some breaking news. Breaking news. The Mad Dog's uh, Facebook account says, stay tuned for some exciting news. And there are three exclamation points. So I think it might be good news. We're coming back. <laughs> well, so you're saying the owner's retired. So maybe one of the, they're selling it to the employees. That would be the best possible. Literally five days ago, they announced, or maybe it was 10 days ago or whatever. Like since we've moved here, they announced they were retiring. It's like, guys, we just got We here. just found you. Anyway, don't go away. I never understood why someone wouldn't buy this business or continue it or whatever. But is it is is it a whole restaurant? Is it a stand? What is it? It's a former house. Um, so it's about it's house sized. It's a house. It's indoor and outdoor seating. Is a hut? Is a uh, an ice cream shop? Oh my god! It's right on the edge of a park. You got the best food in Mukunji. I don't understand it. I don't understand. How this dis anyway? Sorry, it's just, Your, the it's food just in Macunji. Me falling in love with it. Just is what go killed to it. Paul's Insta <laughs> and and the amazing things that they eat at the at, in Macunji. It's right. incredible. All right, uh, enough of that. Although, <laughs> although someday I hope to walk the borough of Macunji Trail. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I have hoped one day to be able to delineate what that trail is, which we've been trying to research it. We can't figure it out. Paul's going to revitalize it. So let's talk earnings. Yes. Uh, it was good and it was bad. It, wasn't, it was good for many things. Not yeah, it was good for everything except for the stuff that I care about. Yeah, so, Xbox. So good. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, good for Microsoft overall. I would say, uh, you know, there's no way to know this for sure, but one of the bits of math that I did for this earnings report was – whether or not, you know, and again, you have to kind of guesstimate here, do more than 50% of Microsoft's revenues now come from the cloud? And I believe that they do, right? So they've been kind of marketing themselves uh, as this cloud computing force, you know, for the past decade or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and now they are, <laughs> you know. And the interesting, I also actually, oh, I put this in my analysis. We'll get to this. I, Richard will enjoy my, my, my AI theory of the week, <laughs> nice. which is the, a new feature of Windows Weekly. <laughs> um, so the, the hard numbers, cause I come up with one almost every week. Um, 
The hard numbers are uh, 18.3 billion in net income on revenues of 52.9 billion. Those are both gains year over year, nine and seven percent respectively. That's good. Um, Microsoft Cloud Focus businesses are again their top businesses. Intelligent Cloud, which is basically Azure and Server, uh, 22.1 billion, up 16 percent. Uh, productivity and business processes, which is Office, you know, Microsoft 365, LinkedIn, Dynamics, uh, is in second place, so to speak. $17.5 billion in revenues, up 11% year over year. And then wah, 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 more personal <laughs> computing, uh, Windows, Xbox, and Surface. Um, can't stop walking into that door. <laughs> is uh, $13.3 billion in revenues, down 9% year over year. Yikes. Um, 9%. Yeah. Is that mostly yeah. Surface, though? Because PC sales are terrible. We know that for everybody. All of this sales, everything in this business is terrible. So oh. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that, um, unfortunately. So here's my new AI theory. <laughs> we, should have, uh, we should have music for this. Paul's AI theory. Paul's AI theory. <laughs> you know? um, Microsoft's stock price uh, was stagnant for over a decade when um, Steve Ballmer was CEO. Oh. It was right in the $30, $35 range forever. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Satya Nadella took over and new Microsoft, whatever. They are now the second biggest company in the world by market cap. Their stock price is through the roof. Wall Street $295, loves them. $295, yeah. And the reason they love them is all this cloud computing stuff. And I don't have the exact number on this, but for years, uh, like quarters of years in a row, if that makes sense, many quarters in a row, Microsoft would tout 70-plus percent growth in Azure revenues, right? Sometime, I want to say last year, that started falling finally as it would. It, right, it's right, the market's maturing. You can't grow. I mean, that that kind of rate is just off the Eventually, charts. you move the workloads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just doesn't, you know, there's not much you can do about that. So I, I don't know the, t- the number off the top of my head, but I'm going to say a year ago, Azure revenues probably grew, I want to say 46%, something like that. Flash forward to this past quarter, it hit 27%. You know, it's on the way down. So my AI theory of the week is, hey, Wall Street being exciting, excited by us is what's driven our stock price, which is what's driven our market value. We need to do something to inject that excitement again. That thing is AI. Mm-hmm. Huh? I mean, I wouldn't disagree with that. I just think they found it by accident. Yeah. Because okay. it was really, you know, that that was what wasn't quite a wholly owned subsidiary before, but clearly is now right. actually having an experiment that got a bit out of control. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, AI has maybe gotten so good that it acted on its own, for all we know. Maybe AI is holding Microsoft hostage. It's hard to say. Well, somebody's having hallucinations, and I don't think it's a software. <laughs> yes. Um, so just, I, I mean, I'm going to look primarily at more personal computing. I, I There's a part of productivity and business processes, which is Office, uh, you know, Office 365, Microsoft 365 Teams. So we get, we'll talk about that a little bit. But, and Richard, I don't know if you care enough about the rest of the company to talk about any of that. but. I'll just say that um, things are not going so well in uh, in Mudville. So uh, Windows revenues from PC makers fell 28% in the quarter. Um, Surface revenues, devices revenues, Surface, uh, fell by 30%. These match neatly to the IDC numbers that PC sales in that quarter fell about 29%, right? Same time period. We'll see. I, we don't have the Gartner numbers yet, but these things seem to make some sense. That have uh, been Windows, expected. Yeah. Well, I... Not as bad as last quarter. I don't remember the exact number again, but 37, 39%, something like that for revenues from PC makers. That was the fall off. Uh, so it's trending in the right direction, but obviously we want to see this 
um, you know, flatline at, at some point. Um, hopefully this year, you know, we'll see, but new hardware in the fall, like that's her best shot for. Yeah. And there's, there was some interesting uh, sort of information, sort of interesting information from Microsoft about this. They, they said something to the tune that, uh, PC sales were actually better than they had expected. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, and that part of the problem was that there was a lot of inventory sitting on shelves around the channel. Right. In other words, mm -hmm. that we had, um, sold these PCs into the channel, people hadn't bought them and now they're just kind of sitting there. And uh, we have to get through that backlog before this thing kind of turns around. Um, the problem for Microsoft is that revenues from PC makers don't reflect PC sales from this quarter. Typically, they re reflect PC sales from previous quarters because they sold right. those licenses to PC makers ahead of time, so to speak, right? So um, it's, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. But in the good news department for Windows, um, commercial products and cloud services revenues for Windows increased 14%. Um, it didn't have a lot to do with windows. Like in other words, there wasn't anything that windows did to make that true, but right. because windows is part of Microsoft 365 as licensed to uh, enterprises, um, there was a There's lot an of apportionment, apportionment happening yeah. there. Yeah. That so had nothing. Yeah. Just. <laughs> you sell more M365 windows gets to show some revenue. I mean, it really shows just how much yeah. M365 they're selling these days. Yeah, I, exactly. I do think the powerhouse is office. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yep. You know. Yep. Yeah. There's, there are more people using Office than there are people using Windows. You know, that's one way yeah. to look at it. I mean, you know, because you don't have to be on Windows, right? Well, and your timing's right about the ten years, right? It was in 2013 that they finally picked cloud over Windows when they shipped uh, Android and yeah. iOS versions of Office. That's right. You know yeah. that that was sort of to me internally that was their pivot moment. It's like right because they had been promised that it that iOS and Android were going to become irrelevant because Windows everywhere was going to solve all problems. They were going to have a perfect tablet and phone solution and that why would you bother? And yeah. then they when that didn't quite work out. Yeah, it was close. Well, it was close. Um, missed it, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was just it just missed it. Just a little, um, little bit. It's by the way not a horrible idea just in theory, no, right? No. Um single app model all that. But uh, yeah, it, it is interesting that, uh, we'll just tie it to Satya Nadella. It's not completely him, but this no. era of Microsoft coincides with this push to the cloud. Office was a product that was able to move to the cloud very successfully. Yes. Windows. Not so well, much. and I think they had been driven by the fear of Google docs and that's a good yes. fear to have. And they certainly were going their own way on Although, that. So they, they needed a cloud. I think even before Microsoft really yeah. thought they needed a cloud. By the way, to that point, um, one of the, you know, Google Docs showed up whatever year that was. And mm -hmm. one of the first things that they offered out of the box, I think, was this notion of real-time collaboration, right? You could have a, a Google Doc or a sheet or whatever it was, and two or more people could be in there editing side by side. Right. This was something that Microsoft had a lot of trouble with because their software is kind of, you know, legacy code base, whatever. And um, one of the reasons we use Notion here is because Mary Jo and I at the time had, a, we, you could not collaborate in real time together. We used to tell each other when we were done with the notes and get in and out. And so I was right. Or you can, on, if you're using one note, you'll keep corrupting it. Right. That's right. It's, it's, yeah. It was horrific. So uh, this morning I was working on the show notes and, and something started animating below me. <laughs> and I was like, what's, <laughs> what's going on here? And it was you. Yep. <laughs> and you were me, in there. Put my doing, in. Yep. And by the way, no problem at all. Yeah. So no, not a thing. it is, uh, it's interesting and coincidental that it's possibly this year, Microsoft will finally have, you know, kind of solved, this problem by introducing loop, which was designed for this use case from the get go. Right. So it took them uh, you know, 15 years. I don't know what well, the problem that. is that they were bound to windows. And so you kept having to have that client 
to server interaction yep. where Google said it's browser baby. And that's all there is. And yeah, that and naturally then, means constant conversation back to the client, to the server. Right. It's not coincidental that real time collaboration works in the web based versions of word and Excel and whatever else uh, mm-hmm. in ways that it just doesn't work well in the desktop. Yeah. I, I always get the sense that Microsoft would, uh, the, the office guys would love to kill the client side products. <laughs> yes. Like, right. Love to. Well, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's, that comes up a lot. Could they yep. move to web-based? I mean, yeah, I, I think we're getting there. I they really could. Think. Could yeah. they make it, could they make a browser open as slowly as Word? I don't know. That'd be challenging. <laughs> it takes a while. No, these are the guys that made IE. They can do it. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> can they, can they yeah. widescreen a browser as well as like in a widescreen Outlook? I don't know. It's, a, it's have, worth uh, a try. Uh, in, in a related theory department, you know, Microsoft is in the midst of upgrading. Well, some people wouldn't agree with that term, but migrating Outlook to this new client, right? Which is obviously yeah. web-based, code-based. And um, it's tough because uh, Outlook, like the rest of Office, everyone has their pet feature that they need. And it's a different feature for everybody. And there are 11,000 features and you can't do every single thing in this rich desktop client on the web, you just can't. And so it's not going to please anybody like that's, mm-hmm. you know, but I sort of feel like this is the, the test case. If we could, if we can get this outlook client to fly, then yeah. we're in Excel PowerPoint have to follow. <laughs> you know, yeah, like Outlook's have. always been the orphan in some respects until yeah. one note came along. I think they felt bad for outlook. So they brought in one note to make a real serious sure. orphan. Sure. Uh, yeah. As opposed to the products that got kicked, you know, brought in and kicked out. Yeah, the ones that didn't work at all, like InfoPath and InfoPath. Yeah, there's uh, that didn't last long. Yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So let's see. All right. So uh, Windows bad, Office good, Um, (laughs) and Surface terrible. The only notable Xbox took a beating too. Yeah, we're gonna get there. (laughs) Don't don't worry. Um, Surface will be quick because. Surface came up once in the earnings report and it came up once on the call, once the entire time. Wow. If you search the transcript, the word surface actually appears twice, twice, but the other time was because they were using it as the word surface, small s, not as the product, um, as in we are surfacing it, you know, something like that. Um, they didn't talk about it at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, revenues fell by 30%. Again, you could tie this into the whole, uh, you know, product sitting in the, in the shelves, whatever, not being so. Okay. And then Xbox and Xbox is a tricky one. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure if I give Microsoft a pass on some of this. So for example, um, hardware sales, which is consoles, you know, peripherals, et cetera, mm-hmm. fell 30% year over year. Um, now you're talking about comparing against 2022, yep. but nobody had anything to do, but play consoles. And the only yeah, reason so 2021 is there wasn't any. Right. So you're, that's the exact caveat that Microsoft provided, which was, yeah. They didn't say it this way, but this is like a, an unfavorable year-over-year compare. Like, um, yeah, uh, compared to 2019, like then you'll see something. Yeah. Well, so the issue here is that Microsoft, when the, when those consoles first came out, they were in short supply. Yeah. And there was a magical moment last year where the Xbox Series S, especially, but let's say the new Xboxes uh, were available. You could buy them, and that was this quarter a year ago. <laughs> so right, kind of saying like, well, you know, thirty. Yeah, this explosive quarter. Yeah. So you could look at some of the other numbers then, right? So, for example, um, gaming overall fell 4%. Mm. Um, Xbox Again, content and services. Still feels like residual. Yep. No, yeah. Xbox content and services actually went up 3%, right? So hmm. that's the part of the business that includes the subscriptions, right? And one of the things they said in the conference call is that the Xbox subscriptions, as they put it, so they must mean Game Pass plus 
um, Xbox Live Gold, right, um, are about to surpass a billion dollars in revenues per quarter. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, no, and it, it it shows that you know that was Bomber's metric. Show only show me a business when it's a billion dollar business. Right. But you know, it's not like Xbox is any slouch. They may, they may be struggling against PS Five, and not struggling against anybody else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, and this is a business that would uh, probably compare very favorably favorably to PlayStation if they had a mobile play. You know? Yeah. So thanks, UK. Which um, are still miles away from getting. Yep. I mean, just oh, yeah, you own the close. company. I also I just point this out too. You know, uh, I I've said I've written this somewhere, but uh, I appreciate Microsoft talking about how you know we, we don't have a big play in mobile. We don't have any play in mobile actually, mm-hmm. and um, you know basically and. This is one way we can get going on this. Uh, Microsoft has tremendous IP. They have lots of game franchises, Halo, Gears, et cetera, Sea of yep. Thieves, whatever. You're telling me you couldn't have made mobile versions of these games, guys? Come on, really? Yeah. I mean, I know there were some Halo mobile games that are not real Halo, right? Yes. Um, Call of Duty is on mobile. There's no reason Halo couldn't be on mobile. Just saying. No, and it's just you need to build up the skill set. Right? Yep. In the end, those really do need to be native apps. So that means you've got... Yeah. Swift yep. developers and Java developers, which I think they certainly have Java developers to build their own version of Java these days. So there's no reason. Microsoft building its own version of Java. That's crazy talk. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what um, goes around comes around. Anyway. Yeah, well, um, you know, when, <laughs> when, once your dev stack's owned by Oracle, you'll take any, any yeah, no you know, port in a storm. That, right? I think Apple like, does that too. And I know yeah. Linux does, JR, the uh, Open JDK. Sure. So, yeah. yeah, who's using Oracle Java after all? Well, yeah, that's, that's true. It's the original I, I, Java. Yeah. 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 I, um, I usually. Don't you have I, to I license do, uh, like, it? I mean, is it. Yeah, I was just. So I was just saying, I, I was just thinking through this. Like, I, you get Java as part of like the Android SDK. And I, I, I assume that's Open, J, Open JDK, isn't it? I'm not really sure. Yeah, because Oracle sued uh, Google because they won't use Oracle. Yeah, yeah, Java. yeah. So I think it must be open. Right. It must be open JDK. It well, I don't know if it's open JDK, but there's something that Oracle. Well, something like, that's not. It, what, what else is like that? It. What are you talking about? It's like <laughs> they're using, you know, Microsoft. They're using uh, Visual J plus plus six point um, Okay. Anyway, sorry. So, and then with regards to Office stuff, uh, they Teams uh, surpassed 300 million uh, monthly active users in the quarter. Uh, in January, that number was 280. So that's going up again. They didn't talk about this, remember, for several months. For some reason, after talking about it endlessly before that, they're back to talking about it. So that's hmm. moving in the right direction. There's also a whole Teams ecosystem. I'm not going to have the, 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 there are no hard numbers here, but there are things like uh, Teams Rooms, Teams Phones, uh, Teams Premium. That whole ecosystem uh, is exploding right now. So, um, that's teams as a platform. Of course it is right. Teams, teams can almost be something that sits beside office. Uh, and as we'll discuss in the future, maybe something that has to sit beside office. Uh, we'll see, we'll see about that. Um, uh, and then everything's up here. I mean, everything office is up office. Commercial revenue is up 13% paid office, uh, 365 commercial seats. were up 11% to 382 million, uh, office consumer revenues were basically flat up 1%. Um, and the number of users there is up 12% to 65.4 million. These are big million. numbers, you know. Yeah. Yep. This is not your, million, you're emerging a new market. 300 million Teams users is mind-boggling. Yeah. yeah. Who are these well, people? Especially <laughs> when compare it. Well, that's, well, okay, here's what's interesting about this to me. I'll tell you who they are. They're, there are 382 million paid Office 365 yeah. commercial seats. That's right. who they are. Yeah. Right. So one of the issues I had with Teams uptick, you know, maybe two years ago was how how are these numbers not the same number? 
Right. <laughs> right. Right. Who are um, these 82 million as, people who refuse? Yeah, who, you're, you're telling me there are hundreds of millions of people not using this thing? But when um, they say when they say that number, it's a, it's it's active users. It's not just like they own it. It's active users, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah someone, uh, uh, Tay Q, I guess, is, does actively using Teams include uninstalling Teams. No, that's... <laughs> you have to open it once a month. It's, to it's be actively un, active un, not using Teams. Yeah. Um, open it once a month. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk more about Teams uh, later. It's probably in the, show, the 300 million people who are using it calling the 382 million people. Yeah. Or like maybe 150 million people use it, but they call the other 150 or something. I don't know. Yeah, and they're calling IT to find out how do they get rid of it. Yeah. And actually, there's a tip. There's a good. Well, we're going to talk about this. There's a tip for getting rid of teams. It's not as easy as it sounds. Um, all right. It's not so as easy as it sounds. That's yeah. Microsoft's motto, I think. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, there's a funny thing about Teams where if you just uninstall the business client, if you got if you acquired it through work, in other words, it was delivered to your PC, you either downloaded the suite from work. Or you already had the suite, and then you, after a certain date, a couple of years ago, whenever it was, they they actually just send it to your computer. If you just go and uninstall it, it will come back. <laughs> so there's, uh, a, there's yeah. a. I know you. I know you missed me. There's a trick. Yeah, there's a, there's a trick to that. You you can you can say right, no. save that for your tip. Yeah, it's not my tip, but it's just a. It's a good it's, tip. Save it. Save it. <laughs> Probably. It's well, I don't. Tip. You know, how to how to not use Microsoft software? The new, you know, my next book. <laughs> um, <laughs> So you don't want to use Microsoft. Uh, (laughs) So what what does this tell us about Microsoft's business? What is their business? See, to me, the takeaway here is what I said up front, which is that they have crossed that line where they are what they've been saying they are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, they are are a cloud computing company, right? This has been the mantra under Satya Nadella. We're going to refocus everything on the cloud. The businesses that can't or haven't gone along with that are the ones that are down right now, which is kind of just probably coincidental. Honestly, it's just a something that's happening right now. But when, Windows is a product line that doesn't lend itself well to the web. I know, I mean, to the cloud. I know there's Windows 365 and all that. But, um, you know, Surface is, by name, it's a hardware line, you know, the hardware product line. And then Office, we just talked, you know, Web, you know I'm sorry, not Office. Um, Xbox, we talked about, you know, yeah, cl- cloud gaming is going to be this small thing. It's not going to, it's not going to, Cloud gaming is not the future of Xbox, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's part of the future of Xbox, right? I think the future of Xbox is this heterogeneous, we're going to meet you where you are type of thing where we're going to let you play games wherever you are. And uh, mo- for most people, those games are going to be native apps, you know? Because they play uh, better. Because they play better. Yeah. I mean, I would also argue that all of the hardware-bound businesses, and Windows is one of them, mm-hmm. are taking a beating because of the the end of the pandemic and those right. anomalous years. Yep. But I would argue that's true for cloud too, because mm-hmm. those were anomalous years for cloud. They just right. happen to still come into positive because there's still lots of room to grow here. We've been in a saturated market for PCs since 2010. Yeah. yeah so, sure. you know, yeah, it's cloud's the kind of thing. You turn market. it on, you don't turn it off. Now, oh, the pandemic's over. I can turn off the cloud. Uh, you just use more. So, I, well, I, 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 Look, the getting them to turn it on was the big deal, and that's yeah. why they benefited in COVID. And it was not the bait and switch, down. right? Remember, during the pandemic, Zoom and and Teams did this, and a lot of services probably did this. They said, "Look, we're going to release, we're going to relax some of our restrictions because we mm-hmm. understand this is unprecedented times." It was nice, but the problem is people you know, use the stuff they get used to it, and now uh, these companies are turning those things, dialing them back. Right? Teams Premium is made up of uh, some new services. 
but there's also some older services that used to be free during the pandemic that now they're charging for. And that obviously rubs people the wrong way, right? As it would, but this is the reality of the world. And so usage was definitely up during the pandemic, but I, you know, aside from, you know, people bought a new PC, right? All of a sudden we were just remembered we need PCs. Um, these services, I mean, I, I, I think the goal of a lot of people is to do less of this stuff now, right? It's mm -hmm. like, I want, I, I, well, no, I people are like remarkably burned out of screens. Yeah. Yep. It's, is it just me or is Microsoft kind of slow at releasing new surface products? It is not just you. Okay. Cause it feels like Lenovo and Dell and HP, they're, yeah. you know, they're constantly putting out new stuff. Yeah. And Surface does so, it's feeling a little like date almost date. I know they've just put Lenovo, out the Surface Pro 9, but it feels a little dated almost. They didn't just put out the Surface Pro 9. Oh. So that's the thing. So yeah, Lenovo and HP uh and Dell and all those companies, that, that's, that's their, their business. business right? Yeah, that's, that's all their they business. do. Yeah. Um, you know, the the Surface PC line is like a it's like a corner bicycle shop, you know. It's just not the same <laughs> level. Well, I mean, it's really it's it's kind of a boutique brand. I mean, really. Um I, I think they finally gotten it to the point. I, we talked about this, I think, a few shows ago, uh, this notion that they ran into a lot of reliability issues uh, several years ago. And it was really hard to recommend them, even though I, I really like Surface PCs personally. But if a norm of a you know non-technical person came to me and said, hey, I'm looking, what do you think I should get? And they do. Well, hey, if I they have your phone number. Yeah. Well, people know. I know, I mean, in other words, like, you, I get these. You're yeah. pretty careful. I, it's, yeah, I don't. Right, exactly. I don't. I, I've not. I don't recommend surface products to others you know but i but then again if enough years of this go by um yes so that's one thing and the other thing is the issue that leo just raised which is they don't really they don't rev these things enough in some cases and what happens is they they do typically have a, a big release cycle in the fall yeah what's once a, smaller, a year smaller thing in the spring sometimes i do um, spring yeah but they don't you won't see them revamp everything. That's the problem. So like this year, it's like, which, you know, which five of the seven products are we going to get, <laughs> you know, and then one will kind of remain in market or two, you know, for another year or something. So you, you do get this. It, it does feel like a little bit of a slow boil. It's, I mean, we got in October last year, we got the pro nine and the laptop five. Yep. We haven't had a new surface book. Well, we had the surface well, studio, surface studio. Yeah. Right. It's Instead of a surface. Studio. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's due. those are all due, I would say, right? This coming year, um, there were uh, um, Kev Brewer put in something about. Well, I guess I, <laughs> it's for my say, but th this notion of um, Microsoft. I think we talked about this last week. This notion of Microsoft looking at smaller versions of the tablet form factor because we need more of these things, um, including an ARM uh, powered Surface Go Four, which is the small one. Um, yeah, I mean, okay. Now, I mean, I think you and I have already debated this, but the real innovation coming here will be some kind of NPU. Yeah, for 100%. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That, that makes their large language model products sing. Yep, yep. And, um, you know. And, and yep. then they can play that little game where it's like, hey, if you're using, you know, our co-pilot products on a Surface device, it costs this much. Right. But if you don't have a Surface device, it's going to it's all the computes on the cloud then, and it costs you more. Right. Yeah, we're going to see. You know what? Speaking of MPUs, the, the top line on this for me is when you compare Microsoft's quarterly report with Google's. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think we're seeing a shift. Google's going down, man, and Microsoft's going up. And it's all it all ended yeah. up being about AI. 
And Google's mishandled this. Sundar Pichai is not exactly a visionary. Um, yeah. I'm starting to see rumbles that maybe, you know, Google is in in, in in its, you know, decline. I don't know that there's any profit in, in these large language models yet. But certainly the gestalt well, has been consumed. The, I don't want to. Profit I, I, would be that if nobody's, if people stop using Google search and yeah. start using I, Bing search, maybe profit yeah. is step three. So I, I would just say yes, but people did and, and would have said that about Microsoft during the Steve Ballmer years, right? Um, whether it was fair or That's not. That's true. And they came uh, back. But I think that that is the exception that proves the rule because they got well, an amazing CEO. Who 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 literally turned the company around? This is a you know this is well I I mean it's not like they were sinking down the drain or anything no. but I, I no but he he pivoted the company don't you think? I, it, he, well, he certainly you talking about, about Satya credit for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean he yeah the company not, was already pivoting Satya. Yeah, was it, it was just that he was the okay. Yeah, and I know a lot of people would say, yeah. oh, don't forget, Steve Ballmer yeah. began this process. Blah blah blah. Well, he did Ballmer, all the yeah. No, he really Ballmer did. knew the future was the cloud, and he was an impediment. And he to stepped. It. He down got out of the way, and he put the right person in. He, um, he needed a place to scream, and he found a basketball team. Yeah. It's excellent. Nevertheless, I I don't think that's a common thing. Most companies decline. Well, which, but, what you're really talking about here is when does Pichar get replaced? Yeah, and I don't. There's He's no not. reason that can't happen immediately. Mm -hmm. No, the I, board no should. Well, they should have yeah. replaced him years ago. It's obvious. But well, this is, but, but but you know, different people have different skill sets, and they're better in certain situations. You know, it's the, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> um, there was a. It doesn't matter. But the, I understand. The notion is, is all of this is ephemeral. But at the moment, it you know, really looks like was, Microsoft is t is kind of. You need a different guy for more than you need for leadership during mm -hmm. comp times, right? But Sundar was the wanted wrong to, guy was a great around. was great for a time, and then he wanted to nuke China. You <laughs> could argue Balmer wasn't yeah. as good as I mean, Pachai's not even as good as Balmer was. And I don't know. I I, I my, look Google today earns more revenues and bigger profits than Microsoft. Yeah, does. but they're but, <laughs> so, but they're advert. Look, their big stuff search and ads uh, sales are down. Okay. Not, not PC gross sales is down. down. The so, numbers I mean, are I down. Just, yeah, no, I know, I know, I know. Um, by the way, Google Cloud just had their first ever profit this quarter. Well, that's true. Interesting. Okay, you're right. Um, that's a good point. Maybe you know. So I. So are no, they going to be smart it, enough well, to say, "Oh, Google the future's Cloud in the cloud"? So seventeen percent of yeah, Google's tiny. I mean, there's just yeah. some tiny percent. Yeah. So that doesn't really matter too much. Um, no, I, I don't. I just don't think it's. There are up and down times. I just don't think it's. It doesn't necessarily mean go, Google's still humongous. Like it doesn't mean they're doomed, and they still have incredible yeah, AI I, I power that they could wield, and they um, could turn mm -hmm. it around. But yeah. I agree, it might require leadership change. If you I had mean, said ten years ago, who's going to be the bigger company in twenty twenty three, Microsoft or Google? Would you bet on Microsoft? No, but what do you you would bet on Apple? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. You know, I I mean, well, the, Apple, this whole world is top. No, right. So, Apple maybe, but uh, I, yeah. I will say it's interesting that the two biggest companies in the world have been around since the 1970s. You know, and what's they're, but they're, they're, they're the, the oldest. The, the thing you got to I'm thinking is what's the disruptive technology of the 2020s? It's AI, yeah. and right. one would have thought Google would have a massive head start on yeah, that. But, I think they did, okay. mm. I, 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 but disrupting your own business is hard right yes. we talked about this i think before you went yes. away this notion that yes. steve jobs did this with the ipod and the yes. iPod. the it, companies just don't do that so i agree that ai could and probably will disrupt 
these markets that whether Microsoft be the company that takes advantage of that is an open question. I, I, I think open AI and uh, chat GPT and these technologies will float a lot of boats. I don't know that Microsoft's going to have a big differentiator because they own the half of, day, of, they own half of open AI. I know so. they own, I know that's fine. <laughs> I, I mean, on the back end, but as far as like their consumer facing brands, I mean, Bing is still a boat anchor. I, I can't stress this enough how bad that brand is and that, that Microsoft is latching. Somebody reminded me the other day, you know, I said, I don't know why they went with Bing. He said, well, what did Satya do before he became head of cloud and then ultimately CEO? Yeah, he worked on Bing. He was the Bing guy. Yeah, but that means he should know better. Well, except, you know, he gets a call from his old Bing guys who say, we've been working on this thing in private for a couple of years. It's clearly hot. 100 million users. Come on. I do agree. You know, so imagine Microsoft came out and said, hey, look, um, we have this AI thing now. We're going to call it Copilot. That's the brand, right? And people, we would all agree that's a good brand. But, you know, when you when you go to search and you failed with Microsoft, yeah. we forget the other ones. Remember, there was Microsoft Live Search and, you know, yep. there were other names to this thing. We all mocked it when they went to Bing and it's been Bing for a long time. Mm-hmm. You rebrand that thing again. That really sends a bad message, right? Oh, no, that, no, no, that tells you that. No, that, no, no. that tells you that. And I think that's why that's the real reason why. But it's it's it, latching yourself to that brand is such a mistake. Yeah, but it's so, I think it was also the quickest mover. The product that's going to matter is M365 Copilot. Like, yeah, I agree. That's the one. That's the only thing that could take. Yeah. The, that's the whole market. The because, idea that it, that yeah. a information worker is going to have a chat with some software before they start work in the beginning of the day, it's right. pretty profound. It's um, it, I, <laughs> it's almost like monopoly maintenance in a way. It's it's what re- allows them to retain the advantage they already have. Mm-hmm. And it makes well, and, and deal with a huge important. problem, which is you don't know which product to use. Now you don't have to know because the tool is now going to tell you which product to use based on what you asked for. I don't want to see the wrestling matches inside of Microsoft about what product gets recommended first. But, you know, it's still really powerful. You guarantee it's going to steer you towards various Microsoft products. Yeah, we could. <laughs> Yes, we can state that with certainty. You yeah, it's pretty sure. I need to edit this photo. Have you looked yeah. at Photoshop? Don't yeah. think that's going to happen. Right, that's right. Although, I mean, if they did this at the Windows level and provided an interface for third-party well, you know software. What? Actually, um, you're, you, you just hit on something that's kind of interesting because uh, um, we think of office productivity, knowledge worker stuff as a certain thing. It's, it's word mm-hmm. processing, it's spreadsheets, whatever. But what we're really talking about here is what today we would call creators, right? right? It's a little goofy to me to say that Microsoft was actually kind of onto this term early on. You will remember the first couple of Windows 10 updates were called creator updates. Oh, yeah. we, all, yes. we all made fun of them for that. <laughs> yes. Everyone's a creator. You know what? Everyone is a creator, right, in a way. And so you could kind of expand the types of things that AI can improve from a productivity standpoint away from traditional or aside from addition, uh, traditional productivity to include these kinds of new types of productivity, right? Blog writing and YouTube video scripts and and video editing and image editing, et cetera, et cetera. I think you're going to see Microsoft make a big push in that stuff too. So you had just said, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to recommend Adobe Photoshop. That's true. That's because they have something called Microsoft designer, right. you know, or whatever these other tools they have are. So yes, they have ClipChamp even, which I know sounds goofy, but as we've talked about, that's actually a really rich video editing solution. Yeah, and I just so, recently played with it, and it's not it's, bad. It's actually fairly excellent. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I use Adobe Photoshop, uh, Adobe Premiere, and everything I, I – granted, I'm not, I'm not Tim Burton or anything, but everything I need 
is in Clipchamp, mm-hmm. you know, and it's free. I mean, it's yep. it's not horrible. There's a premium version if you want it, but I'm yep. not sure what it would do better other than stop putting it's, made with yeah, Clipchamp on every file. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot more um, stock imagery and video and blah, 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 whatever. Right. But one of the things that's coming to that is uh, 4K output, which does not exist. Anymore. And once again, we get back to this whole idea of who's been innovating in their monopolies for the past couple of 20 years. Because yeah. the only thing we've seen in innovation for search by Google is more ads per square inch. Sure. And well, it and, worked know, for a little while, you know, it, it, yeah. it, it, it's been working. And I think the lack of competition, good, strong competition has allowed that to stagnate. Yes. But like we were saying, I, this disruption doesn't come from Google. It comes from outside of Google, but mm-hmm. you know, I, one of the things that disruption could cause, I'm, I'm, I wonder if there's an example of this. There probably is, is the, for the market leader to change in response to that disruption and right. retain the lead, right? That could still happen. Mm-hmm. And that I'm more, but better for it. You yeah, know, well, right. We all they need, that's they right. need a little smack yeah, in the actually, head to get okay. moving. I just thought of a great example of this. So, uh, I, I, uh, Microsoft adopted ARM again for Windows 10, mm-hmm. and uh, I talked to Terry Myerson about this at the time, and he went on this rant about these stupid little Intel stickers that were on all the laptops. He just drove them insane. He's like, my goal is to get rid of those stickers. That's all I care about. I just want to get rid of those. Really? And the way I, yeah, he hated those stickers. So one of the one of the one of the side impact, one of the side effects of this push to ARM is Terry and Microsoft and Windows or today, whatever they are, doesn't really care if like Qualcomm wins or Intel wins or whatever. They just want all PCs to be better. So if all Qualcomm achieves is to get Intel to make more efficient chips. Yeah. Victory, right? It doesn't really matter who wins, you know, in this case. No. Is lo- but the impact has been felt. Yeah. Well, and, and we clearly saw that with the right? last arm cycle, right? The, yeah. the big thing that happened was Adam. Uh, yeah, right, right. But the big thing now, they've changed their architecture. Yep. Now Intel chips has have high, hybrid architectures with performance and high, uh, efficient cores. Mm-hmm. That would They would never have gone in that direction yeah. if it wasn't for them, right? They would have just kept, we, we, we would have 10 gigahertz Pentium 4 chips now, <laughs> you know? That's what we what, that's yeah. what we would be doing, and they would and be, our own little liquid nitrogen. Do yeah, they would be trying exactly, to keep them heating cool. the apartment. Exactly. Yeah, everything would have been fine. Yeah, like those old tile based heaters in Eastern Europe, except it would be a desktop <laughs> computer. You know, every palace should have one. Yeah. Let's take a little break. Come back. Much more to talk about. We got products. We got Windows. We got eleven. We got Microsoft three sixty five. We got Xbox. Mm, whatever at number and tips and apps <laughs> and liquor we're going to uh Lika. we're going east we're going to japan yeah. uh all of that coming up as windows weekly continues you stay here you windows and dozers want to tell you about our sponsor lookout um well you know if you listen to security now you know we're in a world of hurt we're in a world of hurt, and and it's just getting worse because, and by the way, this is employees love it, enlightened management loves it. Uh, our data, our our endpoints are all over now. Business has changed forever. This is this is the product of uh, the pandemic. Boundaries where we work, even how we work, disappeared. Like I said, uh, employees love it. But it could be problematic for security. Your data is always on the move. It might be on a device. It might be in the cloud. It might be across networks. It might be sitting down at the local uh, hot dog stand. And that's great for your workforce. It's a challenge for IT security. 
That's why you need Lookout. See, nowadays, these days, you know, a lot of people have, oh, we got uh, 23 different security programs uh, running, and uh, we've got, of course, our legacy tools. And, and it becomes the most complex kind of Rube Goldberg environment when you could, in fact, have one solution that does it all. Lookout helps you control your data, free your workforce. You get complete visibility to all your data. You can minimize risk from external threats. But, you know, remember, it's also internal threats there in the house, right? Plus, you can ensure compliance. Increasingly important, isn't it? By seamlessly securing hybrid work, your organization doesn't have to sacrifice productivity for security. And with a single unified platform, say goodbye to those 28 different solutions that don't talk to one another. Lookout reduces IT complexity, gives you more time to focus on whatever else is coming your way. Don't take your eye off the ball. Just use Lookout. Good data protection. It shouldn't be a cage. It's a springboard, letting you and your organization bound toward the future of your making. That's why you need to go to Lookout.com today. Learn how to safeguard your data, how to secure hybrid work, how to reduce IT complexity. You can do it all with one tool, lookout.com. You owe it yourself to pay them a visit, lookout.com. We thank them for supporting Windows Weekly. Uh, and if they ask, just tell them, I heard it. I heard it on Windows Weekly. Paul Therott and Richard Campbell, that's where I heard it. I know all about it. All right, Microsoft. Oh, I guess we should do Windows 11 first. That's the big mm -hmm. boy. Anything new? Yeah, nothing major. We can actually rip through most of this pretty quickly. <laughs> so um, the big one is that, and I, I actually, since I wrote these notes, I published a story about this. So Microsoft used to release, let me see if I can get this right. They used to release preview and optional updates on what we call is week D, right? Mm -hmm. the, the fourth, usually last week of the month, not every month. Um, that would happen uh, two, three, maybe several times a year, but not every month. Um, starting sometime in the past couple of months, they switched this to week. I'm sorry. See, I got it backwards. It was week C. <laughs> Originally, sorry, that was the third week. Now they've moved to week D. So week D is ideally located in equidistance from each week B of the previous and the next month, right? The idea being that every, but halfway between every patch Tuesday, there's a week D and that's where they can release an optional or preview update. And so what they've kind of formalized over the past couple of months is every month, basically they, the only time they haven't done it since last September is January. We're going to release a preview update of the next patch Tuesday feature update, small F. Uh, and so they just did that this week. So the first the, the, fir the first time this kind of entered my radar was back in February. February was when they released the preview version. It was February, I think it was February 28th, was the preview update of the Moment 2 update that they released on Patch Tuesday in March, right? Mm -hmm. um, subsequently, they did it again, and now they've done it again. And now I've gone back and looked, and actually I found that, like I said, every month except for one time, uh, since September, they've been doing they've been doing this. They, they've shifted the schedule a little bit between week D and week C. Uh, but but having the two week spacing off of, of Patch Tuesday is good. Yeah, that's the new thing, right? Yeah. yeah. So this is this is interesting, right? Um, not the this update the the update they just released is not that interesting actually, right? Um, the one big thing that you can see if you install it 
is if you go to Windows Update now, there's a new option under the Check for Updates button that says, get the latest updates as soon as they're available, and you can click it on. And when you do that, you'll actually get the latest, what it's, this is how it describes it, non-security updates, fixes, and improvements as they roll out. In other words, when they release a preview version of one of these updates, you'll just get it. You, they won't have to ask you to take it, and you won't mm. have to agree to it. Interesting. So if you're, it's kind of a strange positioning here, but if you're an early adopter but want to stay on stable, don't want to put your machine, don't want to enroll it in the Windows Insider program, this is a way to ensure that you're automatically going to get these updates as soon as they come out rather than having to wait for the stable release on Patch Tuesday. The latest uh, clip champ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, there. Uh, again, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm, tr- I'm always trying to understand what they're doing because they never explain it clearly, but they have said every year we're going to release a new feature update, capital F, capital U, right? Feature update, a, a version upgrade. Uh, version upgrades are unique in the scheme of things because they don't all roll out at once to everybody, right? Uh, they, they, they slowly roll them out to the community based on compatibility, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, the, the 22H2 update didn't fully roll out, I think, until... I think it was February. It just took a long time, maybe even March. Mm-hmm. That's how those things go. That's the only thing that makes them unique. But between each feature update, they release cumulative updates. Some of them are security updates and some of them non-security updates. And these days with Windows 11, most of them include new features. Um, I'm glad you brought this up because I've been a little confused by something on yeah. my screen. I, oh, did the, okay. I did Patch Tuesday when I got back. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then still to be done is this cumulative update preview Yes, that's the, the update that, that just came. It must say uh, it's oh, it's uh, April, right? It says 2023. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is the update I'm just describing. If you install this, what you will get is that option I just described, the ability to start getting these uh, updates automatically. It's very good. I mean, the competitive okay. update preview, like I, well, I'm not on the, because I'm not an insider anymore, thank God. What, yeah, so you're unstable. What do I want a preview of anything for? I don't I, I Why, I can't help you with. But I'll, what I can tell you. <laughs> I really can't. They really two, don't explain what I'm going to get here. But okay, so right. so no, I, I, well, should I do I, it? That that I can help you with. So yeah. think about this. Think about the think about the schedule, right? So the second Tuesday of every month is Patch Tuesday. The second Tuesday of April was the twelfth. Yeah, right. So I was twelfth. We got. So when I come yeah. home, it's installed. I'm installing it. Okay. Yep. yep. Yeah. That came with that. By the way, came with some new features. Hmm. Okay. Um, two weeks later, this past Tuesday, yesterday. I'm sorry, it was the 11th. I'm looking at the wrong day. Um, Two two weeks later was yesterday, the twenty fifth. Yeah, that's week D. This is when they ship that thing that you're seeing, which is the preview update. It's the preview version of the Patch Tuesday update that's going to come out two weeks later. Oh, and you don't need to be an insider for this. This is a preview. <laughs> yeah. So the difference. So the difference between a, a normal update, if you will, and a normal you understand my confusion update. here. Oh, and- I I. I am making a career out of your. Do they think that? Do they think that people don't this. ever go to Windows Update, so they'll never see this, so it doesn't matter? Well, okay. So again, you're introducing an interesting conundrum. So they have, they have. There's the an Windows info button that does nothing, which is great. I, I, it's not going to give you anything. So here, like, <laughs> uh, you have to just go off what I'm going to tell you. So okay, <laughs> the idea here is that I don't think the Windows Insider program has enough engagement. I think this is part of the problem. ah. So they this this they've kind of formalized this notion of let's get this stuff out into the world, and we're going to split the difference, you know, between Patch Tuesdays. We'll do preview versions of these updates. It will give us a couple of weeks of more volume of people testing this update, and you know, who knows? Maybe we'll fix some problems. 
the thing is, if you're not installing Windows updates, you're not looking at Windows updates, so you wouldn't even know that this thing is available, nor would you install it, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that's okay because two weeks from today, well, two weeks from yesterday, this will go out to stable. So you will eventually get it, whether you choose to get it or not. The difference yeah, between and, this and two weeks from now is you have to choose to take it now. And right? I don't see the incentive. In two weeks, it'll be in your box anyway. Yeah, so the incentive is, this is what I mean, it's a little strange. You're enthusiastic enough about this that you want to do this, but not enough to put your computer in the Windows Insider program. Right. <laughs> you know? That's so weird. It's it's like there's a fifth channel now. It's yeah. like the stable preview channel, if you yeah. will. Like, I'm just making up a... But that's what this is. Yeah. So we know from right before um, Windows 11 22H2 shipped last September slash October, because again... We're doing a preview stable release thing. That's weird, but whatever. Um, the rumors emerged of something called these moment updates, right? And the the way the story went was the first moment update is going to come out in October slash November because, again, preview, then regular. And that was the one that included, like, the um, a file, uh, the tabs in File Explorer and some other stuff. And then the second moment update was supposed to come out in February, well, March, but, you know, February 28th was the preview version. And that included, uh, who knows, whatever, that had whatever it had in it. But you know what? I, I've gone back and looked. They've they've shipped new features every single month. Wow. Uh, except for January, because January mm -hmm. is after December, and December is when Microsoft is off for half of the uh, half yeah. the month, and they didn't release a preview uh, release that month, so they just didn't do one in January. I wonder, I wonder if we're just being experimented on. I wonder if they're they're considering the idea of cutting the insider program substantially, yeah, and yeah. so the, and if they can show that, hey, if we there's a certain number of people who yep. are going to install this preview no matter what. We don't have to put them in any program. Yeah, but nobody knows so, what they're doing when they say install this. It's not. There's, well, there's no okay, downside no, no, to no. Windows so, for that. Hold on. So they don't know. You're right. But the thing, what you're not seeing is what happens after you install it. So now when you go to Windows Update, there's a new option at the top of the window. And it says get the latest updates as soon as they're available. Uh, so I'm going to install on. this. Uh, kind of blind because no one really is telling has told me what's going to happen here. <laughs> like, but now you're telling that. me, thank goodness. And this is why, folks, I just want to remind you: you listen to this show because otherwise, <laughs> yeah. you, what well, does yeah, this mean? I mean yes, uh, and, and so the thing. Is, but this time they're actually documenting it here. So unlike what you see, they're actually documenting from it. now so, on. They well, will. no, there's a link you can click it, and it goes to a website, and it tells you what this means. It actually they've actually said this is what this will once mean. I install this one. From now on, Which it will is do optional. This. It's a preview. Right. It's not, you know. Right. Okay. And it, by the way, introducing I don't I don't want to call this a new term, but I, I, I it's a Microsoft. I, so I wrote an article today called "Continuous Innovation," which is Microsoft's term for these monthly updates. Right. The the actual term for this in internally is controlled feature rollout. Oh. And you know what? It's almost not worth getting into the weeds on it. I'll just say that, well, I just already said it. We're going to do a feature update, capital F, capital U, once a year. But we, Microsoft, we reserve the right every month between now and then to release other features. Um, and they have, every, like I said, every month. There's got to be once. more than that, though. This thing is still, it's only 7% in 30 or seconds or a minute or so i get listen the, the the amount of time it takes to uh reboot is going to confuse you even further but yes at the end of the day when this thing is done it's just a switch basically the only thing you're going to notice <laughs> is the switch i'm not saying there isn't more i'm just saying it's the only thing you're gonna <laughs> i know god bless know. you microsoft uh i mean look i download uh 
also updates almost daily on Linux without yep. paying any attention to what I'm getting. Of course. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess it's silly of me to ask more from, uh, from Microsoft. But, okay. I, uh, somebody, I think you both asked, or maybe it was just Leah, but somebody asked why. And I, I, I can't help you with why. I, I can tell you what. Why? <laughs> and why, I, Microsoft? I, I, why? No know. one knows why. No, I, I think they're experimenting. Yeah, I mean, that it, sounds that right. Team, that team's trying to find its way. You think it's an A B test, maybe? And like, will it, does it? But everybody, uh, I, I think they're playing because the everyone gets it. Yeah. So, well, yeah. so by the way, you know what was an A B test? Uh, you know, we talk about this endlessly because this is the perfect example. Although there are others, by the way, um, the search pill, right, that came out in uh, October slash November. Mm-hmm. The the issue with the search pill, well, actually, one of the issues with the search pill was uh, that not everyone got it. Um, I, we kind of forget this now. A few months have gone by. But because I'm writing a book and I have so many computers and I'm upgrading them all, there was there was a period of time where most of my computers didn't have it. Some did. And then eventually most of my computers had it, but one or two didn't. And then eventually it all had it. And then March came and they just wiped it out because they came up with a whole new interface. But that was a really good example of um, them shipping an update. They had never tested with the Insider program. It had bugs, regression. Uh, no longer did the, the flyover or jump list. Of previous searches and then they just replaced it a few months later and it's like guys why don't you just test this thing for a couple of months give it to the insiders they would have seen this they would have showed said this is the problem pay attention you know but um i i, I really uh, richard's right they're 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 just doing things in different ways now sometimes they throw it out in stable sometimes they skip the whole progression through the insider program and they'll throw something right in beta or right in release preview well, i don't know if there's anybody left that was from the original insiders program internally yeah, and so I don't, be. I just don't know that they they value it anymore. You know, Microsoft it's, tends it's, to want to make new things. It's like it was uh, bring your kid to school or work day, and then the parents all went home and the kids stayed. And now they're just running the show. I don't know what's mm-hmm. happening over there. It's very, <laughs> very strange. Well, I'm still installing this, which all it adds yeah. apparently is yeah. a feature to the menu, but uh, it's still Eventually. going. So, um, well, here's the good news, Leo. Unlike the thing you did early last summer when you got your Dell XPS, yeah, that was a big mistake. Was. Yeah. That, which is and now running Linux in, because I couldn't get rid yeah, of we it. We fixed it. Yeah, they finally yeah, did the I window, it. but it, yeah. it took them a long time. <laughs> this, this thing that you're changing now yeah. will will not harm you, right? It won't. <laughs> and would it you won't recommend? Be, it's not irreversible. Once I get this thing, would you recommend that I uh, say, yeah, yeah, give me those feature updates, yeah, whatever not, you want? Recommend is a strong term. I, I, um, <laughs> the, the concern. Assume it's going to stay. You know, I guess the sooner or later is going to be a bad preview. Inevitably, it's a preview. That's the thing. And I'm also, I guess, my other word. It really is kind of a quasi insider ring. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. They should build it as five. It's. it's, They should say these are beta. Ah, oof, man. Yeah, that's oof. You don't want to go there. It's a harsh word, isn't it? That's a the way they say. So back in. February, March, I don't remember. It was probably March by the time they documented it. There was actually a post to the tech community blog that explained this new switch to week D for the preview slash, um, uh, what's the other term, um, optional update thing. And they explained why they did it and blah, 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 and everything. But they, 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 they called it production quality. They said that, you know, it's reached some bar, like they felt, you know, supposedly. I, but look, they sw- they 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 delivered that search bill without any testing, so that's the quality bar. I mean, it's, right? They've they've certainly and but we complained about paint a couple of weeks ago, whenever that was a month ago. Um, that still has never been fixed. That that issue that I raised about the, the paint app, you know. So, 
quality is not uh, job one, from what I can tell. Well, look at how many ways they mess with the big B icon. Yes. And yes. how quickly they did it. That's right. And oh, how that's, little that's, you were involved yeah, yeah. in it. That's another great example. The Edge 111, when they added the B uh, icon and everyone freaked out. And then even though, I mean, I think a new version of Edge comes out, what, every three weeks, is it? Or for yeah, four? no. Uh, that, that string, it was like three in a in less than a week. Yeah. So they, had, well, yeah they added a bunch of new features. And then so many people, well, businesses complained. I mean, I think it was a week later, they said, okay, we'll let you remove it. You know, and we're going to bury it in the UI. We're not going to make it easy. But they actually did. The point behind that wasn't to let users remove it. The point was to give people a policy, businesses a policy they could use and remove it. Yeah. Which they did. Okay. <laughs> I just said we're going to blow through. Yeah, you said this would be fast. The rest yeah. of this is going to be fast. Okay, sure. Whatever you say. <laughs> so. Um, again, some time ago, a month or two ago, uh, Microsoft uh, announced uh, that PhoneLink would be updated to support iOS or iPhone, and that is now starting to roll out to everyone. So that's hit stable or is started to hit stable. The chances are still, it could be weeks before a lot of people see it. I just checked today. I don't see it on any of my computers yet, but I use um, it with my Samsung, so I, I kind of want it to. Yeah. But it's PhoneLink for Android. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for only oh, for Android. Oh, oh this is for iOS. Oh, right. yeah, for oh iOS, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So that hit stable pretty quick. Um, there was a new beta channel. Well, two, they do two builds, right? But two new beta channel builds since the last show. Uh, nothing major there. There's only one new. Well, no new features, but they added some languages to the live caption feature, which is fantastic. Live caption is one of those features. I think I want to say debuted in 22H2, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, or in one of the moment updates, I don't. I can't keep track of this stuff anymore. I, don't, I think it was. <laughs> I think it was twenty two H two. It doesn't matter. I love live uh, caption. Everybody's doing that now, though. It's it's yeah. Uh, table live space. caption everywhere. Yep, that's one of the great reasons to use an Android phone. Uh, yeah, or at least a Pixel. iPhone phone. does it too. Yeah, yeah, it does it. Okay. Every time yeah, I talk really to my mom on Facetime, I got trying to figure out how to turn it off. I don't want yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's really if it's, you can't uh, hear or or you want to watch a video in bed and you don't want to wake your spouse, this is great. Yeah, no, it's and yeah, I mean, uh, one, you know, our son is deaf, obviously, so we have always used captions wherever we can. And the thing that's interesting about captions is whether you have hearing loss or not, you start to rely on them. And the way they make oh, TV yeah. shows and movies today, everything's so dark and explosions are loud and voices are low. I mean, oh, I can't watch a TV I, show I think without more and captions. more people are turning yeah. captions on wherever they can. Oh yeah, even yeah. young people who have good hearing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's yeah. just a nice thing to have. And then uh, this one's only a leak, so Microsoft has not announced this, but it's coming in some future non-security update, you know, monthly update, whatever we're going to call these things. Um, they are adding back features to the taskbar that were regressions from the original version of the Windows 11 taskbar, specifically app labels and groups, uh, like icon groups, right? Um, one of many, many features that got lost in the trans, or I guess two of many, many features that got lost in the transition to Windows 11, so. That's bit by bit, the same taskbar. Yep. And this is the prediction I made uh, when Windows 11 first shipped. I was so freaked out that they announced this thing in June, shipped it in October. No feedback went into the product whatsoever. Everyone was, you know, freaking, including me. And I said, mark my words, you know, they can't, this beautiful, simple looking thing. It went so well for Windows 8, you know. Yeah, (laughs) They're going to keep, well, the, well, so at least Windows, the one thing Windows 8 had going for it was that it just took those features away, right? Windows 11 has the same features, but they do less. So everyone, you know, it's, it's, it's a different kind of freak out, but um, I, my, my guess at the time, and it's being proven correct over time is that they'll just keep adding these features back until at the end, but it's 
we're back at Windows 11, you know, Windows 10 again. I don't, um, I, I, there's more to do, but they're, they're, they're adding that stuff back. So that's good. Okie dokie. All right. See, I told you I could get that. You that. breeze through that. Yeah. What's not breezing right. through that is this update, which is still. Yeah, I know. No, I know. I know. It's the same thing. It churning takes a long along. Time. I know. Yeah, I don't know why. but it it, does It's almost as if they're doing more than they say. Um, the offline bit where, it, you know, it reboots, that takes a long time, too. It's very strange. Uh, I, just, yeah. I just pressed the restart button. So uh, I'll be yeah, back in about know. an hour. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, but you'll see, when you get back, we'll, we'll take a look at it. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, after this next two this seconds, is, this is this is the screen. Now we're just going to watch this boy. the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah, just leave it there. That's Actually, good. it's moving along. That's pretty quick. Yeah, sure. No, sure. You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, as soon as you said that, it stopped. It stopped. Ninety-six percent, like and then it will say reverting. <laughs> That's it. I like. Yeah, we get to ninety, and then starts going back down again. That's yeah. great. <laughs> Why is it hard, so hard? This is a completely peripheral conversation but why is it so sure. hard to do progress bars it's just yeah, unpredictable because he, oh no because they're not accurate yeah I, that's yeah. why they don't do them anymore uh, yeah microsoft yeah. doesn't i mean well, I, but i, I get a percentage which bar. is a, basically a text progress suddenly bar. you're 21 right yeah like, yeah they're just guessing there's steps a guess. and you try and no granularize idea. the steps yeah, you don't really no know idea. look yeah the 21 percent and then it restarted <laughs> it went away yeah. <laughs> well now that i've written put it back because it's not done i've written a fifth of what you wanted to do now i'm going to reboot your machine it'll be it's going to come back and say 15 percent yeah let's see what it says well, it's just sitting there, right? Oh, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Hey, we're going now. Yeah, no, it, yep. That was a full reboot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 No, this this uh, this little switch in the UI is apparently com- some kind of a BIOS feature because it takes a while. It's, this, is, this is what happens. It's I not, do want to get into this unbundling of Teams and the whole... Is Microsoft yeah. being untrustworthy? You're right. And like, it went, it went back to seven percent. It went down. I told. I know. I know. I know. Yeah, it's brilliant. Listen, I've been there. I know. I know how this works. It's not but good. We, but we had made progress. You and I, I. literally said. I, I, so this is the first time I've, I, I. I said out loud the first time I saw this. Did that just go down? <laughs> yes. I have, I have never now. seen that happen before. We have proof. I, yeah. I used yep. to code those all the time. That only ran on April first. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm I'm because I'm look I'm like this it it's taking a long time so I'm looking at it and I'm thinking what is was this number bigger you know yeah oh, so it's starting again that's the yeah. second now reboot this, got to thirty this, this one time. this one I think will go into your desktop I think that's all it has to do only thirty percent of it though it's a long it's so a long all as far as you know all this is doing is adding an item to the update ma- uh, screen. Except it's the only not, thing I'm obviously. going to admit to Leo is that the only thing most people are going to notice is that it has added this one switch to the settings. So the maybe there's big security updates. It is a full reboot, yeah. by the way. I'm seeing the. It BIOS. is literally a non-security update. <laughs> yeah, it's like there yeah. are no security updates. But they, of course, well, it's not like they always comply with their own rules. They don't so. say sometimes. Yeah. I mean, Apple often will do a security update without saying, because yeah. you don't want to, tr- you know, telegraph what you're up I to. See. To the bad guys. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. Oh, I like that oh, you guys think this is Back to 30%, here. kids. We're here. Oh, nice. wrong. Jeez, rolling along. Yeah, it takes a long time. It takes a long time. All right. So while this is happening, I'll just point out that the Financial Times reported this week that Microsoft has agreed to stop bundling Microsoft Teams with its Office suite to avoid an EU antitrust investigation, which I... I what does that even mean? 
I know that, that's the thing. I, I literally, I, I, so I wrote a follow-up to this article where I kind of, what I literally, what does that mean? I literally, that's the, you know, the, in the notes, it's does Microsoft have an antitrust problem, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, it's like, what is, what does this mean? Yeah. Right. So I looked up, I looked up a few things. I wasn't, first of all, I don't, some of the language here, I think is a little incorrect. I think what they're really talking about here are um, Microsoft 365 subscriptions where you download the office suite from Microsoft, right? Cause you're a paying subscriber and you get right. the classic desktop apps. And I, I actually do have a commercial account and I have a, a, you know, a personal account, obviously I typically just use the personal account is no, I don't have any great reason for that. I think it's just cause I sign most PCs come with office. So I sign in. And what that means to me is I have to go download the team's client manually. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's my experience. So oh, there it in is. My brain. Get the latest updates as soon as they're available. Oh, there it is. But you can click on it. Learn more, and you can everything's go. starting up. So I can learn, learn more here. You can learn more. Thank yeah. goodness. Okay. Yeah. You should go. have told me before I installed it. I <laughs> listen. I yep. Hundred <laughs> percent. You did your best. You could, did your best, Paul. Well, I, but the point here is that this update will eventually be mandatory. So you're going to get this whether you want it or not. So yeah. I mean, give us two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, um, so I, I I looked into this, and what I found, I was I, I actually asked Mary Jo about this. I was a little confused. Mm-hmm. At, in March 2019, so not like a month ago, and not a year ago, but four years, years ago, ago, if you download the Office Desktop Suite suite from your workplace's Microsoft 365 account, it actually does install Teams, right? And it uh, adds teams to existing setups that had done this previously before they were requiring this. I, I'm assuming a lot of that's running out. I mean, we, mm-hmm. it's probably all new stuff. So the the reason Microsoft has this potential E, or actually not EU, is it EU? Yeah, no, it is EU. I thought it was UK, but EU issue is that Slack, back when it was a standalone company, filed an antitrust complaint against Microsoft with the EU in July 2020. So right. every year after this policy. And a year before they got acquired. Yep, by Salesforce. Yeah. Right. And and uh man, the, the the original complaint is fascinating. I remember reading this at the time and thinking, this is really inflammatory. It's it's yeah. it's very interesting. So uh micro this is some of the language they use. Microsoft has illegally tied its Teams product into its marketed market dominant office productivity suite, force installing it for millions, blocking its removal and hiding the true cost to enterprise customers. So hmm. I thought like, we got let's break that down. Okay. First of all, market dominant office productivity suite is a slightly outdated term. I I don't know that a lot of people are buying office on a Best Buy shelf installing it with a disk and that's how they acquire things. Like I I, I that, to me when I hear that uh, you're describing some kind of an old way of doing things. They are uh, force installing it. it so in the same way that they're forced installing OneNote, you know, when you install Office, if you acquire it through a Microsoft 365 commercial subscription. So, yes. Okay. Blocking its removal, though. That was an interesting one. So I brought that up at the beginning of the show. I looked into this. And as it turns out, if you install uh, uh, Teams this way and you then go and uninstall Teams, it will come back. And that's because, and this is the tip. Uh, you have to also uninstall something called the Teams Machine-Wide Installer. And yes, that's the name of it. Uh, If you don't do that, that's the thing that keeps reinstalling Teams. So you have to uninstall two things, whatever. Right. um, And then 
what was the third bit? Uh, hiding the true cost to enterprise customers. Hiding mm. the true cost. That's fascinating. Um, because that suggests that they are expressing the cost of this thing to their customers in some other way, right? In other words, you thought you were getting this thing for free as part of this other thing you're paying for, but actually we're charging you for it over here. Um, right. I don't think that the enterprise customers give a flying any, you know, anything about the true cost of anything. What they care about is what they're paying for. And I think one of the most fascinating things about Microsoft 365, we talked about this is this notion of, when you pay for this thing, you get a bunch of stuff that you don't even know is there. Um, and by force installing teams, <laughs> they're putting it in front of you. You know, the businesses that are giving you uh, Microsoft 365 as a user are paying for this thing and they probably want you to use it, you know, for one thing. I, yep. They're well, probably, more importantly, they don't want to spend money on something yeah, else that's when right. they already own a product. And we could deb- debate whether better or worse. Yeah, already. There was a, um, I don't know if I can find this quickly, but there was a really interesting quote that relates to this from Satya Nadella. Yeah. Uh, During the conference call last night about the earnings. This is what he said. By the way, no one asked about this. He just said this about some, actually, he said it, someone asked a question about, it seems like Office is a really big user base. How do you keep growing this business? Amy Hood answered a, a very long thing to say. And then he said this, fundamentally, what we're focused on is making sure that the customers we're able to derive the value of our offerings, whether it's the Microsoft 365 suite value, which is significant, whether it's E3 or E5, which are the higher end tiers of uh, Microsoft mm-hmm. 365. We want to make sure that they're getting deployed, that they're getting used. And that's obviously going to lead to our share gains in many cases. So in other words, he directly tied the notion of customers understanding all of the stuff that they get that they're paying for already. And that the more they use that stuff, the more their share of this market is going to gain, which is exactly what Slack does not want. Right. Right. So, okay. Does Slack, I guess the question here is, does Slack have some kind of a case? Is there a a case to be made that Microsoft has a a monopoly, that they are abusing that monopoly uh, to harm a competitor in this case? Um, and there's a lot of other crazy language like Microsoft wants 100% of the money, you know, that kind of stuff. Wouldn't it be similar to the case Netscape had against Internet Explorer? I'm glad you said that. That's exactly what I compared it to. (laughs) So, yes, it would be. And what you find is that the same thing happened. The question is whether there's something illegal happening. So from a technical standpoint, Yes, Microsoft. DOJ did say there was something illegal in this case. Well, but 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 we have to look at the technical aspect here, right? So, we also uh, we also have to well, we have to determine if Office has a monopoly, right? I mean, so but but just from a what they did technically, so to speak, is they had this dominant product, Windows or Office. They saw a competitor, Netscape slash Slack, and they said, "We got to respond to that competitor. How do you want to do it? Let's Bundle. offer to buy them first. Bundle. They, well, first right. they offered to buy them. They tried oh, they tried to buy them, right? First. They were yeah. gonna. Yep. yep. I did. Um, okay, that's not going to work. All right, so let's just, um, you know, Bill Gates in this case said, hey, guys, we already have everything we need to beat Slack. Let's just build our own thing. And they made Teams. When Teams shipped initially, yeah, it was kind of a Slack clone, right? It was it uh, chat-based uh, instant messaging, right? It was basically the same thing. Microsoft then did to Teams what they did to IE. They turned it into a platform, and they made a better product. Yeah. By the time IE beat Netscape, it wasn't because it was bundled with Windows. It was because it was a better product. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I was there. I, people I forget that. that part of it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And 
teams today better, you know, it's a, it's, it's a much more um, complete product. It does more things. It's a complete platform. Yeah. And like I said, during the earnings call bit, it's also a complete ecosystem, right? Um, yeah. Th- are there small businesses or individuals at companies that want to use Slack? Yeah, maybe. I mean, we of use course. Slack. We still use Slack. Okay. There's there also a but stickiness are, once you, I mean, we, and we pay for office, but what there's yeah, a stickiness there you both. Yeah. because okay. once you've got well, that's, invested okay, into that, a that, platform. Thank you. That cuts exactly to my point, which is does Microsoft's bundling of teams. Well, one of my points, uh, foreclose uh, Slack or any other competitor from competing in this market. And you just made the case that no, it does not. <laughs> right. Um, you feel, you find value in paying for and using Slack. And so you do right now, not everyone can make that decision. I think a lot of companies would look at this and say, guys, we're paying for this thing. We're going to use it. That would well, be a problem if the thing you were paying for and using was less, was less right. good or whatever. It was mm-hmm. not as good. Right. But I think most of these companies and Microsoft, like Microsoft's really big in the fortune 500. They're probably not as big in the smaller businesses or whatever, but um, would tell you that this product is in fact better. Yeah. And the other question is, are needs. they going after the market? Like, is there yeah. a Slack importer? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think there is. But what do you think about the, this notion of off, what, some version of Office, whatever you want to call it, Office, the suite, Office, you know, Microsoft 365. Does this thing have a monopoly in the same way that Microsoft did with Windows in 1995 to 2005 no. or whatever? No, because Google Docs is almost equally as big. One would argue they were bigger for a time there, and now right. uh, M365 is doing very well. But Yeah, I would say so. There are I, other products in the market, but – yeah. Google doesn't offer a, quote, collaboration tool. The thing that was unique about Windows at that time was that it was the only way you could access anything related to personal computing for mm-hmm. the most part. There was a Mac that was doing poorly. Yeah. And there was no mobile, right? There were no smart TVs or smart devices. There was no, there was no nothing else. So Windows was personal computing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I could make a case of Microsoft 365 Office, whatever you want to call it, is the best productivity solution. But the truth is, we live in an age where we're using Notion. Yeah, you know, I, I pay for Microsoft. When we're not happy with the solution, we do go to all. And I, I use Notion. There are lots yeah. of free and low cost solutions that meet certain needs. I mm-hmm. talk a lot about Markdown editors and note takers and things like that. I use, I use Visual Studio Code to write. Yep. In Markdown, which is crazy, it's a Microsoft product. But, um, I don't, my Office doesn't have the same dominant. Uh, no. But they're also the not doing the same did. things. Like if you yeah. go back to the original antitrust, even before the IE one, right? Microsoft originally sold, uh, basically made a deal with PC manufacturers. It says the only way you get to buy Windows is that you tell us how many PCs you sell and we give you a rate. Yeah. You, know, you right, are right. basically yeah, paying yeah. for yep. every PC no matter what. If you put another OS on it, you're still paying us. And then they said, if you don't put Office on, then Windows is this much more. Right. Or you can also include Office. Like, and that was pretty anti-competitive for a market-dominant product already. Uh, yeah. and, um, and and then the IE thing came in, which, let's face it, the IE thing only happened because Gates lipped off the Senate, the, the, the Senate yeah, committee, sure. right? Sure. Like, I guarantee you, Zuckerberg and everybody else watches those videos from August of... Oh, my God, it's like a business case many. study. Yeah, exactly. Don't ever do this. But the... Uh, right. I mean, uh, yeah, 100%. Um we, you were talking earlier about things Intel does right. I mean, one of the Intel got sued for antitrust in the EU uh, 10, 12 years ago, whatever it was. And because of what happened to Microsoft, they just settled immediately. They're like, we're not going through this. 
No. We're going to pay the fine. And by the way, the fine actually got rescinded years later. They uh, appealed the fine part of it, but they right. changed their business practices uh, to accommodate the EU, which actually is the another important point here. What is it that Slack wants here? Like, what's the what's the goal and what's the precedent? One of the things that the EU did to Microsoft as part of the antitrust uh, uh, case I there, yeah. the, they had a, ba- a browser ballot. Windows so the in. idea was you bring up Windows and they say, hey, look, here are five browsers. Which one do you want to use? Is there a world in which uh, there's a, a ballot for chat-based whatever? And I would sort of make the argument that because Slack doesn't do everything Teams does, there's nothing else that could sit next to Microsoft Teams. Yeah, It would have to be a, a roly-roan suite of things like Borland used to do where they would te- they teamed up with some other company to bring all the products in that would make it sort of like Microsoft Office. Because no one company offered all of that stuff. No. And, and, and uh, Teams is more than you even realize. I mean, if, if you create a group inside of Teams that matches up with a group name inside of SharePoint, it's an interface over SharePoint. Like, literally, you have access to the same docs. You can write through yeah, it. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, yep. there's so many things that they've deeply embedded into uh, Teams now that it, it, good luck. It's well, got serious advantages. Right. 100%. And, the problem for Slack ultimately is it kind of doesn't matter what happens here. Imagine yeah. Microsoft decoupled these things, whatever that means. Teams has 300 million users now, guys. Yeah. It is, as I've, 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 it's just come up a couple of times. It's a platform and it is an ecosystem, right? And they've already, and, they, um, and they're talking about doing it. Again, it's like, what do you mean exactly? Like, what, what yeah. does that Well, mean? yeah, the language is confusing. I, that might yeah. be partially because the person who wrote it doesn't understand how office is deployed to businesses or whatever. I, I, I can't explain that part of it. But well, the other thing is, it's not like Slack's going out of business. They're owned by Salesforce. They're yeah. not a little company struggling for survival anymore. Well, they got yeah, sold yes, for what? $28 yes. billion. Thank you. Actually, all, a, all their leaders have done just fine. You just, you, I, forgot, I didn't even put this in my article. I forgot about this. The other parallel between Netscape and this is that during Microsoft's antitrust trial in the United States, Netscape got acquired by AOL. Right. Really undercutting the case. If yeah. your situation was so dire, why were you such a valuable asset for this other company? Right. Um, so same thing with Slack. I, I don't know that the EU would be swayed by that. They seem to be uh, really into the little guys. But mm-hmm. although Salesforce, not a little guy. No. Um, I, and, but, and, and neither was Slack. $28 billion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I think that was the biggest problem with Microsoft acquiring Slack was the amount of money. Yeah. I think, you know, if the, if it had been half that, I think Microsoft would have paid it just to make them go away. Why and don't uh, yeah. companies consider, there's so many, if it's just messaging you want, and I think Microsoft understands that's a commodity yeah. feature. Uh, sure. There's so many other free choices uh, right. out there. I don't understand. Um, do companies really need the other features that Teams offers? Is that why? I don't, this need is, is, you know, I, I, I think the issue really, honestly, it's the Microsoft double-edged sword that, the the strength of teams in many ways generally speaking is the integration right richard was just saying it's really just a front end to uh, sharepoint which is correct you know this is another way for people who work in an organization or are on a team or working on a project whatever it is to collaborate on a whatever it is a set of documents a presentation or whatever and that, that where that thing is we're kind of hiding that from the user because they they're just looking in the files tab in teams they don't really care where it's stored up in SharePoint. Yeah. Who would? We um, don't worry about file hierarchies anymore. It yeah. just happens. Teams yep. does that for you. Yeah. I mean, in the old days, 
we would round robin these things like Word docs and stuff uh, yeah. in Outlook via email, and that's stupid. Um, yeah. This is a way to have a live document sitting up in a file share somewhere. Again, SharePoint, but people don't know or care. And, and, and even uh, when you do email that document to someone, Exchange Online sees that it came from SharePoint, flips it to a link, and yep. then yep. you're actually working on the original version with version yeah. and control then, and all that good stuff. By the way, the integration continues because Loop's coming down the the pike, and Loop yeah. will be a way Doing even more. to uh, do more of that live uh, uh, editing inside the document or create new types of documents, and blah, 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 on and on it goes. I mean, Microsoft has just taken this thing and run with it, and Slack is like, hey, we're still doing chat-based, uh, you know, good for you. I... <laughs> You know, people find value in that. And that's great. But I don't know that these things are direct competitors anymore. I, yeah. I they've, the they've moved away from that. And yeah. and the, all of the voice integration stuff, the the video stuff, like they've done a lot. Right. It's, it's, one would argue it's too many things, but Slack does that I mean, now I, too. I mean, Slack's trying to keep way, parity. So you, you guys, you say you use Slack, right? For example. Yeah. So there's nothing about Microsoft Office that makes it difficult or impossible for you folks to share document formats through Slack, right? There's nothing, it's not like the, like Microsoft has engineered office to make that a worse. Oh yeah. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. You know, there's you're, nothing like that. That doesn't, you're exist. looking for the smoking gun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's, and I think Richard's there. right. There's a reason Microsoft never made a Slack importer. Um, yeah. They're, they're very carefully, you know, negotiate, navigating no. around and they, that. They realized they needed that product space. They decided to try and buy before build. They weren't able to buy, so they built. Yeah. I don't know why, you know, I all I can say is the stickiness of it. You have a lot of history in Slack. Uh, yeah. And because, you know, all, all of our conversation history is there. Uh, uh, right. There's, I tried, you know, before Slack, by the way, we were using, um, God, now I've forgotten because it got acquired. Oh, that was the thing. right. So th- there were other <laughs> chat-based collaboration solutions. Yeah, what, what One was called using? something like Hot or At- Hip Atlassian or? owned it. Hip Chat? Hip Chat, maybe? Yeah, I think that was it. No, anyway, so we were using that. People ask, well, fortunately, yeah. when Atlassian uh, sold it or whatever, or got acquired. I think they sold it to Slack. <laughs> yeah, there was a tool to import. So it I was, Slack it, we were able to move. Think, but yeah, I, No, you're right. I've, no, I've hip, tried over hip. and over again to get... Uh, Lisa, because like Lisa's the in. decision maker, to get her to right. move to Matrix or something free. Right. Uh, no. Although for a long time we had the free tier only of Slack, and we got we hit a limit, sure. and without telling her, I just started paying. That's for how it. they get you. <laughs> I just you. she does probably doesn't even know it. it's not free anymore. But uh, yeah, I mean, you need. I how think much does the, how much does Slack cost? It's a few hundred bucks a or, month, I think. I don't. I don't remember. Oh, for the per, whole, it's probably per user. Whole, yeah, for us, I think it's a yeah. few hundred bucks a month. But yeah. uh, and it's not because it's like fifty users or something at most. Um, I don't know. I think okay. there are other. Th- I would love to use Teams. Right. I think there are other things. There is a stigma <laughs> against using Teams. Yeah. Sure. You look. Uh, I mean, uh, we're a tech company, right? So. Slack was hip and with it and the smart thing to do as a tech company, you're with all your other. Yeah, but you know, the, so here's the problem with that. You're right. Uh, but what that thing is changes all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. That's, it's not that way anymore. Problem. Yeah, that's the pretty problem. soon. It'll look like and, we're old hat. <laughs> well, uh, well, I mean, the, in other words, the hot hip solution that is whatever to but do it's this. Not, it'll never not, be teams. Be, I'm sorry, but I hate to tell you this. No, no, no I'm not. Microsoft saying it will, never be teams. will never be cool. 
But the thing that will always be there and work and just be there is teams, right? Like in other, yeah, you know, no, you're right. And and they are they they I don't have it yet, but they've you know apparently improved the client dramatically uh, yeah. in this new version. So well, yeah. If you're in the Microsoft ecosystem, then you have teams. If you're not in the Microsoft system, getting into it for teams is not any fun. Sure. And oh, that's interesting. Uh, I don't think we, we have Microsoft for everybody. Most people were still yeah. using Google Docs. You know what's yeah. interesting? Google Do- does not have a competitor in this space. Right. Which is weird, right? They completely fumbled it. They the used guy, to. Uh, does he still? The guy who used to run Microsoft 365 went to run Google Docs, but I feel like he might have left. So inept. Then. Google, I'm, I've am i never it's, seen a company fumble the future. It's weird to me that they didn't. Since yeah. Xerox like this i mean it's just ridiculous they had hangouts oh, yeah. and then they kind of split it into chat and meet yeah right. you know, google made a mess of that i you know i i pay for a zoom account for any for all the folks as we do to. yeah yeah my yeah. wife actually pays for one for her work too yeah, yeah. we're happy with zoom. It, does zoom do all that stuff could we use zoom no no nobody no. uses zoom for chat <laughs> like, yeah. do they right i mean I no, don't think so. zoom is for video conversations yeah. for recording microsoft learned that right. lesson with skype right they thought everybody yeah. used skype for chat <laughs> well well and people well, use skype for a long you know i just real i use skype for a long time to make shows and then eventually people are saying oh skype yeah i think i have that yeah we oh, st- wait it's updating you've changed to zoom as we did and actually zoom has yeah. given us a much better result. well richard so richard i i uh, speak for you but you obviously have everything right yes so I you do. can meet people where they are and, and, but most and people well understand well zoom i, I love it because i'll look at lisa's computer at home and every one of these installs a menu she's on a mac menu bar item so she's right. got like blue jeans. What is this thing? Blue jeans. What is that? It's, she's got like every like her yeah, menu bar yeah. is full of all because as right. she's doing sales, she has to meet with whatever the client wants to meet with wherever they are. Yeah, yeah. we use Meet internally, Google Meet. Yep. Uh, I don't. Uh, occasionally, we'll have to do a Teams meeting. I, I think what I do last yeah, time I used I Teams was when Windows. I told the premier I was quitting. So we use Meet <laughs> for hands on Windows. Actually, you, what you yes what right. Which, yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, no, wait. Do we? No, we use or, Zoom. I promise you. Oh, is it Zoom? Maybe it's Zoom. Yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry. But if you met with us, it would be me. Hmm. I feel like it's me. Oh, no, I guess you're right. I'm no, sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Yep, yep. Sorry. And if they are, I'm going to go spank them. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I'm getting confused. Uh, no spanking required. We, uh, uh, Zoom, and Zoom has really worked with us, by the way, in a way that mm-hmm, Skype yeah. kind of tried to, but really sure. never did well. And we like have Skype got was Zoom always now. like sometime in the future we're going to have this thing for professional broadcasters. Yeah, just we give had us it. six more months. Yeah. We had Skype VX. Yeah, yeah. We bought a big box. Months. We had all this stuff. The NDI. Crap. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Zoom. But it, that's, I mean, we get great quality out of Zoom. It's, I'm so well, happy. They, they, they went to NDI at the end of their life, right? Yeah, there was, was a huge battle inside of Microsoft for all the different voice products. Yeah. They right. had UCS and others. And then, and then it was over, right? They're trying to, now it's basically consolidated around Teams. But uh, and Zoom grabbed onto that and ran with it, and good yeah. for them. Zoom's done a good job. Yep. So is Teams the dominant? I guess it is. If we three hundred million million net monthly active users, it's got to be the dominant messaging platform uh, in business. Mm. Business messaging. Yeah. Is that what it is? Is it business messaging? Zoom is. Zoom's got to be in there. But not. But they don't do messaging. Well, you can. I mean, you can chat, right? I mean, yeah, you but can. Yeah. Do you have to start a Zoom meeting with somebody to chat with them? I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't even point. know. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. True. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, right. I guess well, it must be right. Certainly in the Fortune 500, it is. 
I think so. And uh, yeah. I'm trying to think what the competitor would be. It's not WhatsApp. It's not Discord. It's not Matrix. It's not whatever nonsense Amazon has that mm-hmm. no one even knows they have. Uh, That's the funniest do. thing. Amazon has all these yeah. compelling, I think, fairly compelling yeah. offerings that yep. no one ever knows of. they exist. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's weird that Google. Well, Google has, like I said, media. Amazon doesn't believe in advertising. And uh, yeah, well, I'd just like to not... mention to all of our advertisers, you see? You see? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's why you <laughs> advertise. Yep. Makes a difference. People don't know, you know, don't, won't hear yeah. about it. You know who else doesn't believe in advertising? Elon Musk. Yeah. But he's got a way to do it, which is to offend everybody and get them to talk what about it. What was the worst explosion last week, SpaceX or Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> oh, ow. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Way, folks. Yeah. I'm sorry. The, the crater under Starship is actually larger, but not by much. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think Teams really is the incumbent at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And all the more reason to attack them. Sure. And you'd think Salesforce owning Slack would help build yep. that up, but I don't think Slack's yep. going anywhere. Nobody's adopting Slack. I don't Slack think so anymore. either. That's the weird thing. I, I, and when they bought them, you have to sort of think, what's the point, right? What are they going to do with this thing? And mm-hmm. I, the point to me should have been to build this thing out and make it more competitive. And it, I feel like they've just kind of sat on it. I know they just released some new feature this week, actually, Canvas or something, but I don't, I just don't feel like it's gone. You know, compared to Teams, Teams is, um, Teams has just exploded with functionality. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon. Um, <laughs> Three explosion metaphors the in good, one The good kind of explosion. Not the, yeah. not the Elon kind. <laughs> um, really might complain at this point. Uh, anything more to say uh, about uh, this before you get to the Xbox segment? Because we're all waiting with bated breath. Well, the, the Xbox stuff, all the good stuff's gone. Shh, you know, but shh. yes, we can. Next day on the good stuff's gone, A. Eh? <laughs> uh, I mean, I could rant for more time. For no, no, sure no, no, no need. Let's launch. Let's launch something of our own. Xbox news. Yeah, so there's a couple small additional items, we, uh, other than the the big one, <laughs> right? Um, Microsoft released the eighth uh, world update for Microsoft Flight Simulator across PC and Xbox. Uh, this one is for Oceania Ooh. and Antarctica. Ooh, fun! So more detailed. Is that eighth or thirteenth? Oh, you're right. It's 13. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the. That's awesome. It's World Update X. No, it's a Roman numeral. So I, it's yeah, X. Not V. Oh, God. That's great. I am an American. Um, <laughs> uh, so more, more detailed imagery for Polynesia, Melanesia. Melanesia? That's where you get melanoma, I guess. And the Galap- Galapagos Islands, as well as key oh, regions cool. of Antarctica. Oh, I'm going to fly over the Antarctica Galapagos. that are just snow, oh, but the key regions. Yeah. And just the ones with Starbucks in them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if you if you really want to find out how much disk space you have on a computer, this is <laughs> Flight Simulator <laughs> app. Yeah, this is right. the one. That's right. It's stunning it's how much. Do they have? They must have the stuff. whole world now, right? I mean, is there anything left? Well, they're there? adding. So they they have the the world, but they're adding these. the The point of these world updates is to add even more detailed imagery yeah. for key areas. So if you think of like you know. Uh, just an obvious example. Well, the, the one I flew around was uh, in Egypt. Um, obviously, the pyramids are all very detailed in the city and the river and everything. You know, they want to the places you would want to fly because it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. They make a point of making it as realistic as possible. So. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, they're, they're, it's fun. they're beautiful. They're really beautiful. Yeah, 
Um, this one is a strangely appealing story to me. Me so, too. Uh, me too. I know what you mean. Is, yeah. It's kind of hard to explain. It sounds obvious at first, but it's actually kind of hard to explain. So Atari has acquired over 100 classic games from companies named Accolade Infogrames and Micropros. I think it's Infogames, not Infogrames. No, it's Grames. Is it really? Yeah, I've always been confused by that. It's Grames. So these games are all from the 1980s and 1990s. I know, it doesn't make any sense. I thought all these games were owned by Steam already. (laughs) So I'm kind of stunned. Yeah. So here's the thing. So Atari, the company Atari is not the Atari from the 1970s, right? It's a, you know, the na- the brand has kind of moved along and whatever, but that's true. Of these other companies too. So like accolade is a, a company formed of former Atari 2600 programmers, right? Who were making games. There were a couple of games. There were a couple of companies like this, like Activision, accolade and magic, right? These were the reason these companies were formed was because Atari would never give credit to the people who made their games. Right. And they were like, we want to put our names on these things. Right. So the first of those was Activision. Activision eventually, they Activision exists today. Microsoft's trying to buy them, right? Completely different company. But Activision used to be like the guys who made like uh, Pitfall and, you know, games like that. So two of the co-founders of Activision eventually left that company and made Accolade. Accolade made some of my favorite games from the 1980s across Commodore 64 and the Amiga. Um, and those guys started Accolade. A- a- Accolade was later renamed to Infogrames. And eventually was also renamed to GTI, GT Interactive. That company, if you're like, I've heard of this company, it's because they were the guys that partnered with id on the retail releases of Doom 2 and Quake. Hmm. So if you bought this thing in a box, it would have said GTI or GT Interactive on the outside. That company was acquired from Infogrames in 1999. Have fun following this story. Anyway, the point is, we don't know the full list of games. And the and the the, the shortlist they provided, I've only heard of a couple of these, but the key one to me is Hardball, which is a, an amazing baseball game, mm-hmm. um, Demolition Racer, which is a franchise, um, and then uh, the Microprose games, 1942 Pacific Air War, F-117A, and F-14 Air Combat. That's some good stuff. These are classic, classic mm-hmm. games. I, so, I had some friends who worked on the Hardball series. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. I love it. I played... Hardball, I I bet across at least at least three different platforms over the years, <laughs> over many years ago. But uh, yeah, so anyway, that's happening. That's cool. So Atari's trying to reinvent themselves. Obviously, I think embracing their their classicness, if you will, is the right way to go. Obviously, they've had trouble trying to ship this uh, new console, which probably was a huge mistake. Whatever. And then finally, and semi related, um, uh, I guess propping up the notion that the steam deck has done pretty well um is it asus i think it's asus right yeah asus is launching something called the rog ally oh that's republic a, of games that's their rog there you go rog you is go. there all right that makes it make yeah, sense yeah, yeah. um this is a steam deck it looks like steam deck and it runs windows 11 um it's going to be powered by uh, a new series of ryzen processes from amd so continuing their custom processor trend like they do for they've done for xbox etc um, 16 gigs of RAM, 512 gigs of PCIe Gen 4 SSD storage, blah, 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 blah. So the question here is going to be price. What's the price? Sounds know. like a, maybe a little bit better than the Steam Deck, to be honest. Well, it would, yeah, I mean, it's newer, right? So yeah. uh, 1080p, 120, uh, uh, 120 hertz refresh rate, free sync. Nice. Um, nice. 
How much? How much would? You, how much? What would you weigh to get into this? Six hundred. I'd pay six hundred dollars. Yeah, which is basically what the Steam Deck costs. Yeah, I'm worried it's going to be more like nine hundred bucks. Yeah, see, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, but either way, how do you compete with Steam Deck? You're too late to the market. You don't have the game roster that they. That's uh, true. Like, you, that's good luck. Once you put Steam on it, it's Windows 11. I was going to say, can you put? I mean, I assume you could put Steam on it, but yeah, Steam I, Deck's I, a Linux box, which is interesting. They chose to go yep. with Windows for this. This one's Windows 11. So yeah, there was while you were away, Leo. There was a rumor, and I, I chased this one down. It's not as exciting as it sounds, but supposedly at one point Microsoft was looking at a, I'm going to call it a game mode for Windows, Windows 10 slash 11. And the idea was, you know, in the same way that you have you have a tablet, you detach the keyboard, it goes into kind of a tablet mode, which is a little muted on Windows 11. Um, the idea is you would install stock Windows 11 on this thing and it would go into a game mode because it detects the kind of computer it is. Mm. And the interface could be something simple with just a list of games. It could be the Xbox app, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, everyone got really excited about the, uh, the imagery that came out of this, but it was all made by a... Uh, Mac using intern that didn't even work at Microsoft. So <laughs> of course it was. Don't get too excited about that. But yeah. But you know, whatever. Who's since moved on. But anyway, um, interesting stuff. So this kind of machine, I, I do think there's I think portable gaming is big. I I and I think this kind of thing is could be big. And you know, Steam Deck obviously has done very well. Um has it? Is that obvious? Okay. Steam, <laughs> I feel like it's established. Okay. I will give it the same credit I give to the Surface Pro. It has established a, a form it's a, factor. It's a form factor, yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and people are starting to copy it. So, yeah, I mean, I I think a lot of people look at the Nintendo uh, it's the Switch, Switch and they, is what they're really they think. Yeah. They're like, I like the idea of this thing, but it's I would like this to be a PlayStation. Yeah, or I would like yeah. to be, yeah, to play, yeah. I think that's the that's the deal there. In general, you're cramming PC games into a smaller form factor yeah. and not all games play Which is well. unsuccessful. I like that you called me unpopular, by the way. I, I, I read, like, I'll read an article. I, just the other day I read an article, like, um, I'm going to make something up, like, uh, Manchego is a popular Linux distribution. <laughs> and I stop right there and I go, is it? Is it? Uh, how, do, how do we? It's a fine defining, cheese, but. <laughs> how are you defining the popularity of this Linux distribution that I have never heard of? I, you know, yeah, no, I. Popular amongst a certain yeah popular group popular of in what way yeah yeah I mean there's no doubt the switch is popular and I would argue that's yes. what they're copying mm-hmm. um, and yeah. Uh, yeah yeah but it's all but the you know the Steam Deck is a more expensive device and a different kind of device games, it's not going to get the theory. battery life obviously see my and, my yeah. problem is and I played with the Steam Deck and I and I didn't want it we bought one but I didn't really want to use it because. It's it's too small a screen. If you've been used to playing PC games on a big screen, it's yeah. just not. Well, I don't. Mobility is not you're that our important. Age, you're going to have to wear binoculars to read yeah, anything. Right, on this what is going on in there? I don't know. Because the text on that thing is designed for a yeah. 27, 30 inch display. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, all right, let's take a break. We have tips. We have picks. We have sure booze, <laughs> but and we have half an hour, so that should be. <laughs> That should be adequate. Should be Our exciting. Show, should be exciting. Our show today brought to you by Collide. Collide. We've talked about them before. They're a device trust solution that ensures, and this is, you know, as we're learning about various breaches, this is probably the one of the most important things to protect yourself against. Unsecured devices getting into your network using your apps. As far as we can tell, this is what happened to LastPass is that uh, one of their DevOps pers- you know, people was, was at home 
and uh, was using his laptop, and he had uh, an unpatched version of, uh, I think it was Plex, on there. And that's how the bad guys got in. And then, of course, what does he do? He, this DevOps guy, logs into LastPass. And, uh, well, the rest is history. I mean, you're talking big reputational costs as well as actual costs. Collide has some big news. If you're an Okta user, if you're an Okta user, you're already kind of aware of this and you're going, you know, you have the you have a really nice secure system, right? Well, Collide plus Okta. Now we're talking. Collide can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. It patches one of the biggest holes in zero trust architecture, which is device compliance. I mean, it makes sense. Your identity provider will only, you know, Octa will only let known devices log into the apps. But just because a device is known doesn't mean it is itself in a secure state. Plenty of the devices on your fleet really should not be trusted. Maybe they're running out-of-date OS versions. Maybe they've got unencrypted credentials lying around or old browsers. Or maybe they're running Plex from 2010. If a device isn't compliant or isn't running the Collide agent, doors shuts. It cannot access the organization's SaaS apps or other resources. Your zero-trust architecture is safe. The device user cannot log into your company's cloud apps. They've got to fix the problem on their end. But here's the nice part. They fix it. I'll give you an example. A device uh, is blocked because the employee doesn't have an up-to-date browser. What What are you running version 89 of Chrome on there for? So what... Collide does is say, hey, let's update that browser so you'll be compliant so you can log in, and the end user remediates the problem. This is how you get your fleet to 100% compliance without overwhelming your IT team. Plus, now you got the user on your side. They understand what's going on, why it's important, and they're thinking. They're thinking. They're saying, oh, yeah, I want to make sure everything's up to date and secure. Without Collide, IT teams really don't have a way to solve these compliance issues. And, and this is the problem, or stop insecure devices from logging in. With Collide, you can set and enforce compliance across your entire fleet. Oh, yes, Collide is completely cross-platform, Mac, Windows, and Linux. So your entire fleet. Collide's unique. It makes device compliance part of the authentication process. So the user's logging in, they're using Okta, doing everything right. Then Collide will alert them if there are compliance issues and say, stop, you've got to fix this. It prevents them from logging in. It's security you could feel good about because Collide puts transparency and respect for users at the center of their product. Users will appreciate it and will become part of the team. To sum it up, Collide's method meets fewer support tickets, less frustration for your users, most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Visit collide.com slash WW and learn more. You can book a demo, K-O-L-I-D-E, collide.com slash WW. Thank you, Collide, for supporting us. We really love Collide. And uh, thank you, Windows dozers and winners, for using that address because I want them to know you saw it here. That helps us. Collide.com slash WW. Get that demo today. All right. Back of the book. That means it's time to start off things with a tip from Paul Therott. Hey, by the way, um, this just in. Uh, Amazon is shutting down their Halo branded health and fitness products and services. What? Huh. Yeah. I have a Halo. Never mind. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Sorry. Uh, that was the that was I, the bracelet that you would wear that didn't yeah. have an interface. 
Well, they eventually shipped one that did have a screen too, but yeah, it started. And you had to a, pay a monthly fee for, which is why probably nobody wanted it. Yeah, what uh, no one really wanted was to use your camera to take a picture of your fat, ugly body so you can upload it to Amazon. <laughs> that was a different one. I have that too. Oh, that was the fashion was, one. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Also awful. discontinued. Yep. But there, are, but Amazon now has every picture of my fat, ugly body. So that there's that. Yeah. No, me too. And we're both there together. Aye, aye, aye. So okay. Oh, that's right. Halo <laughs> did do that at the beginning, yeah, did. didn't it? Yep. To to measure your uh, fitness. BMI and to stuff. mock you, frankly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's like they're like, no, we wanted you to take a picture of you, not an elephant. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, thanks. What's thanks, that thing? <laughs> that can't be you. <laughs> Do you have I a forgot. clearer picture? That's yeah, right. It was not yeah, good. it was not yeah. good. It was a little, oh. it was a little, a little warm. You and I, the things we do for our craft. I know. The other thing, by the way, anger detection. I had to turn that thing off. Oh yeah, one. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> It did. Uh, it said you were yeah. yelling at three a.m. Was like, there anything you, uh, you want to talk really about? Really upset about something? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm at work. I remember Stacy Higginbotham. I think she sent me her halo because she okay. refused to pose naked in front of it, which is go. completely understandable. I, however, and apparently Paul. Yeah, no, I had, 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 had to, to had test no it fully. You had to. I you know, got to do it. Sure, it's our job. Yeah. Oh well. All right. There's an well, update. That little no bit more of halo awkwardness out of the way. Um, Speaking of bulk, <laughs> yep. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so yeah, people coming uh, at this from Linux or um, well, Linux. I guess I have the Mac too. I suppose are probably familiar with the notion of package managers. Um, this is a little less common in the Microsoft space. We have them, of course, uh, chocolatey. chocolatey and so forth. Chocolatey. Yeah. Um, but it's not a you know it's not it's it, it's never been a built-in function of Windows until fairly recently, right? So. We actually have something called the Windows Package Manager, which is a command line tool called WinGet, which is, by the way, freaking awesome. And I'm probably going to have more tips about this because I've been writing about this for the book. You can use it for lots and lots of different things. But I want to stick to one use case for today, and that is this notion of bulk installing apps on a computer. So, for example, you bring up a computer for the first time, which, granted, is something I do a lot, but other people do sometimes, of course. Um, maybe you bought a new computer or you use PC reset or reset your PC and reset it. So now thing comes up, clean desktop, you got to get going, right? So there's a bunch of things you have to do. You have to configure some settings in the system. You have to install a bunch of applications. I, in my case, I, uh, sync a certain portion of OneDrive, right? So that that's on all the computers I use. And you know, some of this is time consuming. And, um, one of the more time consuming bits is that installing of apps. So you can use Winget among other things to install and keep apps up to date, right? Uh, the interesting thing is, because it's a command line, you can create a script that will do this thing in bulk, right? Um, that's probably beyond this. It's not the type of thing most people do, sit there and go to the, you know, figure out the exact command lines. However, there are graphical tools, inc including one that was written by Mahedi Hassan, who used to write for Thraw.com. Uh, if you go to Win, it's called Winstall. And Winstall is a, I'm sorry, winstall.app is the URL. Go there in a web browser. And what you do is search for the apps that you want to install. So I searched for all the apps I install on every single PC. It created a script, which I can then run on a computer. So I think bring the thing up, run terminal, paste the script in, run the thing, command lines, installs everything, dun, 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 dun. And it's nice because it's all automated. It's all automated, unintended, un, unintended, unattended. <laughs> installs by default you can change that if you want um obviously you still have to go and um you know sign into the apps and do all that kind of stuff but it really this actually speeds up the process pretty dramatically so 
uh, it's kind of a neat use for this thing. So that's one thing. I'm going to talk about Winget more in the future. I will give Richard a plug for this because episode mm-hmm. 793 of Run mm-hmm. As Radio had an interview with Sarah Lane, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The product mm-hmm. manager for Winget. Not to be confused with Sarah Lane. Not Sarah Lane, Sarah Lean. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah. you couldn't be nice. more lean than Sarah Lane, so I, I'm confused. I know, Sarah Lean looks pretty lean. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So Winget. So this is going to be a chapter in the book. I have to figure out if I'm going to put this in the app section or the command line section, but that's a problem for a different day. Anyway, I've been writing it. It's I'm, I'm fascinated by Winget. It's really, really a neat tool. And then the app update. Uh, the app update. The app pick may surprise you a little bit. Um, it will not surprise you to know that I use the Microsoft Authenticator app to handle uh, second factor authentication requests on my phone. Right? I assume Richard, you do too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good one. You know, it's good. It's, uh, uh, it works well. Um, however, uh, Google, which has been kind of behind a bit on this type of functionality, just released an update to Google Authenticator that adds a feature that the Microsoft Authenticator app does not have. And for people like me who move between different devices, this is actually super useful. What it does is it syncs all of your uh, second factor codes, all of the accounts you have configured in the app, to the cloud. So that when you when you use this app on Wait a, a different device, it that didn't used to do that. There. This is new. No, right? No, you had to set. So think about how the process of like um, like how this works, right? So you have an iPhone in my case, maybe, and you're like, okay. I need to go to my Microsoft account, my Microsoft 365 account, Bitwork, you know, whatever the things I have, all, all those accounts. And you kind of laboriously, one at a time, put them all in. And then you're like, all right, I'm going to switch to the, um, like an Android phone now. Yeah, I'm going to use that instead. You have to do that like all over again. You know? Yeah. And this and is something cases, you and I do a lot. Yeah. It's kind of a problem. So what the Microsoft Authenticator app has, which is useful, is the ability to back up those things to the cloud. Um. So you can you can back up your accounts, I guess I'm going to call it. Um, but you can't seamlessly kind of switch between different devices. You, you know, if you add an account on one machine, it's still just on that machine. You can back it up, and you know, then you can restore it. But it's it's not just like the seamless account based thing. So I haven't I, I haven't gotten this Google account uh, Google Authenticator app update yet. But I'm intrigued by this. And to me, like, I, this is one of those things that sounds, it's like, wait, this doesn't do this? Like, it seems like something it should just do. <laughs> Every authenticator should um, at least do that. Well, I, I, they're probably, I mean, I, uh, there are security concerns here, I guess. Yeah, um, well, because you're giving but, somebody else those keys. And by the way, uh, they're saying in the Discord that it's not end-to-end encrypted. Yeah, right. uh, That's not a good thing okay. if it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... Yeah, but the point of this, okay, so that, again, I'm not, this just, they just announced this, so. We'll research um, this. We will research yeah, this. Yeah, is, this is very interesting. This is something, that's the way I play. I, the, base, the way I basically describe this is I use Microsoft Authenticator. I'm definitely going to take a look at this. I'm curious about this. And i really like to see Microsoft do this as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people do use Google for, you know, password management. They're signing into automatically in apps and on the web, right on devices, you know, Android phones and so forth. Um, they work with all the FIDO stuff. They, you know, they do all that stuff. So this is like one of those. It, it, depending on your, you know, where you have your things, right? I, I use the Microsoft stuff, but um, this is like, this just seems like a good idea to me. And yeah. this has been one of my issues. I like to move between devices. Like I move, I use a lot of different computers. That's one thing. But um, one of the challenges to switching between phones 
is T-Mobile actually, but one of the other ones is um, this thing. Because the, the, the you don't want to lose, you don't want to be out in the world and have to authenticate in a banking app or you know PayPal or whatever it is, and then you look at your phone, you're like, oh, it's on the other phone, you know, yeah. like you want it, you want you want that stuff to be with you. Um, so it's anyway, it's just something to know about. It's an interesting idea. And if that's not Windows enough for you guys, you know, first of all, screw you. But secondly, <laughs> uh, Rufus, the uh, USB make a Windows install, you know, uh, key, uh, Windows yeah, U, uh, USB, US, key. bootable USB key. Yeah. Yep. It's just upgraded to uh, version four, by the way. Um, bunch of fixes in there. Um, they dropped support, I think, for Windows 7. Or was that? Yeah, I think it's the first one. Yeah, I think it, so. They dropped support for Windows 7, but. Uh, this, there is a new version of that. I haven't written that one up yet, but uh, you can look at that nice. as well. It's out, it's out of support. Richard Campbell, host yes, of the fabulous Renaz Radio and .NET mm -hmm. Rocks. You got something coming up on uh, Renaz? You want to publish today? Oh, this yeah? is the show, one of the shows I did in Wales. Remember we uh, yeah. streamed yeah. from there? And this was a panel discussion I did with uh, several of the speakers from the SQL Bits conference talking about building data analytics teams. It was this sort of recognition that you just can't hire people in that this space these days. There's just so much demand. If you hang, you can fake the word data scientist into your resume somehow, you're, you're buried in work. Uh, and so I rounded up some folks that are serious in the space and done, done, had a lot of experience. Just for fun, we had one of them remote. They were in New Zealand. So Anna Puma came, came in from New Zealand. Uh, Falek and Maria were, were all together in the room. And just walk through this idea of how you would grow out a team, the different roles that need to be filled, and uh, you know what kind of upskilling can be done, what services are needed, and uh, how you can really start taking advantage of the data your organization has. And now, it's Suntory time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't this know if we're going to get have. through <laughs> this by the top of the hour, but let's try. You got 14 minutes, dude. Good luck. I know, you know Yamazaki. I think everybody knows that as being yeah, kind yeah. of the classic so at, Japanese let's whiskey. Let's start at the beginning. Yeah. The original Japanese alcohol is Japanese rice wine, sake. Yeah. It goes back thousands of years made from rice. They polish the rice to take the bran off. They brew it like sort of like beer, but not really because they use a fungus, astragalus or azai. Now, sounds bad, but that's also how they make miso, how they make oh, okay. soy sauce. Like this is an edible fungus it's in the that air, releases man. it releases amylases into the in to convert the rice starches into maltose and glucose. Mm. And then remember all it's booze tasty. making is take a starch, make it into sugar, ferment it into alcohol, happiness, right? And typically, they, they, the sake process is kind of unified. It's a simple, straightforward process. It comes out about 18% alcohol. They typically lower it to 15%, although they occasionally do distill it to make another product called shochu. Mm, which I have and but, love. Yes. Yeah, great stuff. And yes. that's a low, you know, it's not a typical spirit either. They're typically 25 to 30% alcohol rather than the 40 plus, which is normal for spirits. So how did Japan get into whiskey? Well, back in the 17th century, they weren't into whiskey. They were a closed-up country. They had had their challenges with the opium wars and so forth until a fellow by the name of Matthew Perry, no relation to Chander, <laughs> who was a con who was yes. a commodore in the commodore US Navy Perry. Show. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Showed up in 1853 with a gunship and said, "Let's trade right now." Uh, and so by the he brought whiskey with him at the time, uh, and of course he did. Uh, well to do liked it. 
And so by the 1860s, you start to see Western-style bars opening in Japan. Uh, the earliest records I could find was one from 1871. And, of course, there's translation problems here. So there was a record of importing whiskey from Ireland called Cat Whiskey, which is probably Burke's because it has a cat on the label from that era, and whiskey from Scotland, which they called Deer Whiskey, <laughs> which is probably Dalmore because even in the 18th. Oh, yeah. 70s they had the stag on the bottle but real the learning of whiskey making for japanese starts with a guy named masataka takasiru who in 1918 goes to scotland and he was from a family of sake makers and they paid to send him off to school there he actually studied at the at the glasgow university studying chemistry with a focus on whiskey he also came to study under Joseph A. Nettleton. <laughs> That's funny because that was my minor as well. That's interesting. Yeah, Chinese study whiskey. With a focus I'm on whiskey. still studying yeah. all the time. <laughs> uh, and he interned at Longmore and Bonus and, uh, and Hazelburn. And then he married a Scottish lady in 1919, which apparently upset all the families. Her name was Rita. <laughs> And so, in, but she realized that he really wanted to bring whiskey to Japan. So she went to Japan and her story is actually kind of cool. If you ever get a chance to tour the Nikkei distillery, their house and stuff is still there. She was all in. So in 1920, Takasura gets back to Japan. Now he's a guy with big ideas and no money. So he falls in with a fellow by the name of Shinjiro um, Tori. Uh, and this is this at this point, this guy's already very successful chemist, which at the time you bought alcohol from a chemist. He had a bunch of other lines of business. And the company was called Suntory as a play on Tori San. Oh, how funny. I did not know that. That's great. And his, his original successful alcohol product was actually importing Portuguese wine, which the Japanese market found was too bitter. So he would sweeten it and rebottle it. And called it uh, Akadama wine, which you can still buy today. Huh. But in, in 1907, it was 60% of the wine market in Japan. So this guy was doing well. And now he falls in, he gets to know Takasuru, they make a deal. And in 1923, they established the very first whiskey distillery in Japan, which is Yamazaki. And it was, and it's still there today. It's between Kyoto and Osaka. Uh, that doesn't mean they're able to make whiskey. <laughs> they struggle for many years to try and make uh, a drinkable whiskey. Uh, Takasura even went back to Scotland at one point to figure out what he was doing wrong. Their first production whiskey comes six years later. It's called Shirafoda, uh, uh, which is Japanese for white label. And people generally don't like it. So uh, they are trying to incorporate more Japanese styles and flavors into it. And one of the challenges they have is that they are trying to use local oak because Japan does have an oak tree. Aquarius uh, crispula, also known as the water oak or Mizanara oak. Now, this if you ever get a picture of one of these trees, you'll see it's quite twisty. They're not great for making barrels with. Uh, initially, they were using 200-year-old plus trees, although the current cooperages use 100-year-old trees. Uh, they, it doesn't grow straight. It's prone to leaking, and, and they typically grow better in the far north. But otherwise, the barrel-making process is more or less the same. They char their insides uh, much the same way, although they typically have to do leak testing because of the twists in the wood. And so they will assemble a whole barrel, fill it with water, judge how it's leaking, even swap out some staves and refit it. Also, when they initially started aging 
in Mizanura Oak, they found it tasted bad, which is, you know, he, unfortunately, uh, uh, Takasura is learning from the Scottish method. And the Scottish method showed that every few years you would take a taste and over time the wood flavors would emerge. And what he found with Mizanera oak was that it was very strong right away. And so the presumption it would keep is just keep getting stronger. Although they later discovered that if you gave it 15 or 20 years, it actually mellowed out and became very tasty to the point where today there are Scottish whiskeys that buy a certain number of Mizanera barrels for aging. Shivas Regal makes one. It's a long time to wait. It's a long time. And you, and again, you, you mix barrels around, but uh, it, it has distinct flavors that are unique to the wood. And so it it does get around. Uh, It's interesting to see that today, a lot of distilleries have been built in much later times they actually are started making washbacks, the big uh, barrels for doing uh, for doing sugar extraction out of uh, Mizanura oak. So after ten years of effort, uh, Takasura uh, finishes his ten year contract with Suntory and he leaves. Now, uh, Tori's not unhappy to have him go because he's making all this money on red wine. He's trying to spend it on, and he's ending up spending it on whiskey, and they're not getting good results. And Takasura had been pretty adamant that they really needed to be in better terroir, like in the right locations that were more like Scotland. And that's in the far north of Japan, in Hokkaido. And here they were down in Osaka, which is not a good location for it. As as far as Takasura was concerned, you know, Tori wasn't too worried about that. So in 1934, Takasura establishes the Nikkei Distillery in Hokkaido. And, uh, and starts making more whiskey. So now that you've you got competitors, you've got Suntory and you've got Nikkei. They, you know they had small funding, so they're trying to make whiskey. Suntory gets their first hit in 1937. So now we're coming into World War II, and uh, they make a blended whiskey they just call Suntory whiskey, but it looks very much like your sort of traditional blended whiskey. It's popular with the soldiers. Uh, demand grows as the war ends. The Americans like it uh, as they're gone control of Japan at the end of the war. Uh, Satori uh, grows massively, diversifies. They make all kinds of product. In fact, today, only a third of their products are alcohol related. They make a lot of canned beverages and, and other things. So uh, post-World War II, whiskey's hip for the 60s and the 70s, and then it fades. Uh, as the economic crisis that would eventually grab Japan in the late 80s, early 90s, expensive drinks become less popular, cheap drinks become more popular. And so uh, the Japanese market for whiskey kind of declines. Satori responds to that by starting to make competition-grade whiskeys. And this is the one you've heard of, which is the Yamazaki uh, 12-year-old. Yamazaki, this was a totally traditional whiskey. They did everything the way the Scots did. Pure barley, pot stilled, barrel aged. They used a blend of bourbon and and, and sherry casks as well as the the uh, Japanese oak. If you can find a bottle of this stuff today, which is tough, you're talking three four hundred dollars for a twelve year old. I mean, it's good, but it ain't that good. I should also point out that the Nikkei Distillery, the sort of rival distillery from the two original partners in the '30s splitting up. They won awards even before that one. I mean, Yamazaki was a gold medal, but then Nikkei's Yoshi, which is the location of the distillery, uh, won an award in 2001. So interesting that when Yamazaki hits their, gets their hit in, in 2003, that's the same year that Lost in Translation comes out. 
And that's when you get make it Suntory time as uh, Leo has been happily quoting all along. And, uh, <laughs> and it works. The demand worldwide for Suntory whiskey goes through the roof and the Sun- Bill Murray effect. Yes. Suntory diversifies. Then they make, uh, they make a blended whiskey called Hibiki harmony, which also wins a ton of awards. It's considered one of the best uh, blended whiskey ever. And by the 2010s, in 2015, Suntory goes on a buying spree. They buy Jim Beam, Maker's Mark, Booker's, Baker's, Basil Hayden, Knob Creek. In Scotland, they bought Bowmore, Lafroy, Ardbeg, Glengarrah, Auchentoshan. Uh, they own Canadian Club. And uh, in Ireland, uh, Connemara and Kilbegan. So they're huge, multinational. They own stuff of all over the place. They have to be one of the biggest. They're one of the we're one of the biggest. They compete with Diageo, and of course, wow. again, only a third of the revenue from alcoholic beverages. They make money from a lot of different places. Incredible. Um, Nikkei uh, has won awards too. Their original big award back in two thousand one, but they won uh, in twenty fifteen with their Nikkei whiskey from the barrel. Uh, they started experimenting. Um, Takasura loved the coffee still. We talked about this in the distillation which is the continuous running still. So they still use the stills that he installed in the 1960s to make both their coffee malt and coffee grain. The grain is corn aged in bourbon cast. The malt is made from uh, barley. Although to balance the flavor in it, Nikkei had bought Ben Nevis. I mentioned this in an earlier show and they were putting a little Ben Nevis in it, uh, which brought up a bit of a scandal as Whiskey was making a return in Japan, this idea that both Suntory, the biggest, was adding Bowmore to some of their, and calling it Japanese whiskey, and Nikkei was adding a bit of Ben Nevis to their so-called Japanese whiskey. And so uh, many other, as those guys had all that success in the early aughts and now into the teens, many other distilleries have opened in Japan to make whiskey. But you always get into this battle of what is whiskey? What does it really mean? So now they're finally, as of 2021, they created a set of rules. It's for the Japan Spirits and Liquors Makers Association. Uh, of course, Nikkei and Suntory directly involved in this. And the rules are the spirit must be fermented, distilled, and aged in a distillery in Japan. It must contain malted grain, but it can contain other grains. It must use water from Japan. It must spend at least three years in wooden casks. Uh, it can't be distilled higher than 95%, which is incredibly high. That's vodka levels. Can't be diluted below 40% for the standard for a spirit. It has to be bottled in Japan. And if it doesn't follow any, uh, if it misses out on any of these rules, not only can it not be called Japanese whiskey, it can't have any Japanese symbology in it. It can't use the flag. It can't use city names. It can't use Japanese graphics. Literally, they're Is Hibiki a, a location in Japan? Is that where that comes from? Um, Hibiki means harmony. Okay. So that's why it's a blended with it's their blended whiskey uh, where they combine all these things to get to yeah. a blended flavor. And with the little time we have left, let me reference the whiskey that I've chosen here, which is Oshi, uh, Oishi, the whiskey sherry cask. Now, uh, this is a newer distillery, only opened in the 2000s, but they are doing, you know, if we talk about what is whiskey, whiskey is fundamentally uh, um a grain converted to sugars, fermented into alcohol, distilled to a certain level, and aged in barrels. Oishi is actually made from rice. They use the sake method. 
But then they distill it up to a high distillation level, and then they age it in first fill sherry casks. I guess it doesn't they don't, matter what it comes from, right? Exactly. It's and, just alcohol. And it scores for the the Whiskey Observer scored it ninety two out of a hundred. Wow. wow. Like well, that. This is only eight year old too. This is not. It's, it's got no age statement on it, which means it's less than eight. Less than eight. Yeah. It's, it's below. Yeah. I gotta yes. This you can find. It's is it I good? chat. I'm, you I like it. It's well, you're delicious. recommending it. Yeah. Wow. I'm absolutely. Now again, for a no age statement whiskey, eighty dollars is a lot of money to spend on a whiskey. Ooh, yeah, that's pricey. Yeah. It's, I mean, well, $70. As long as you understand what it, I mean, but as and you said. And it's a rice whiskey, which is hysterical. Well, we get all the way back to the Japanese learning how to make whiskey like Scott. So, like, then are you making Scottish whiskey in Japan? Right. Or is it is it just the barrel? Because you're using pot stills from, from Scotland. I would you, argue it is the most Japanese of Japanese whiskeys. Yeah. That's what I think, too. Although, yeah. with the new rules as of 2021, you can't call can't this call Japanese whiskey. whiskey. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. But There's it does no... have a Japanese character on it. Uh, well, what are it they does now, it's distilled they... in Japan, so they must have changed the rules a little bit. Well, no, the packaging rules don't come in full force till next year. Oh, so they're going to have to change it. They're going to have to change it, all right? Or there's going to be tweaks of rules. Or they're going to add... The only real thing they're not complying with right now is having a little malted grain in it. So instead of... If you just added a certain oh, just a little bit would grain, do it. Oh, okay. To be compliant. Okay. But I would say this is the most Japanese whiskey. Right. It is made with Japanese should, tactics. They should make a case for changing the rules. Yeah. I they well, and of course, who's changing who's fighting for these new rules? Suntory the time. In, <laughs> the in, the incumbents, exactly. The ones it's that a got classic into antitrust problem. <laughs> Damn those companies. Oh he's in a she. Japanese form. O H I S H I. If you can find it, eighty bucks yep. thereabouts. The, it's easier to find Hibiki Harmony, and it's about, again, $80 for a blend is outrageously expensive, but Japanese whiskey tends to be expensive. Yeah. Very tasty. One world's best blended whiskey for many years in a row. Nice. It's a classic Suntory. Uh, you can't go wrong. I wouldn't bother trying to hunt down Yamazaki 12. You make yourself crazy. Somebody gave me right. a bottle, and I think I still have it, so I'm now going to treat it with the it's very special. deserves. Yeah. I think it's time yeah. to do yeah. an in-studio show. You know, yeah, so there you go. I seem to remember that happened a few years ago. Yeah, quite a few years ago. Uh, <laughs> and then some, yeah. some Abelor got in, uh, Abunda got might, involved. Might have been involved trouble. as well. Yes, there was trouble for sure. And Mary Jo <laughs> was really the instigator. And since she's not here to defend herself, we're sticking with that story. <laughs> That's right. Mr. Richard right. Campbell, run as radio.com.net rocks. Rich Campbell on Twitter. Thank you for that uh, enlightening conversation. Every time you do this, it makes me want to drink. <laughs> I am going to drink. I'll just lay it on the table. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Last week's show, I referenced Woodford Reserve is a very unusual American bourbon. And shortly after that, I got a picture from Paul saying, I blame you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you know, True. you might not know this, but hot dogs and whiskey, excellent pairing. Uh, excellent. Pairing. I also, you know, I, I meant to text Richard a second time to tell you something my wife told me, which was that. We tend to, we often will buy like a cheaper, like a Canadian club, something, whatever, mm -hmm. for um, mm -hmm. for cocktails and stuff. But when you put a good whiskey, a bourbon, into a cocktail, yeah, it makes a difference. Yeah, you can tell the difference for sure. You're an expensive I mean, Oh, that's habit. interesting. Oh, no, <laughs> so very much so. Don't use cheap whiskeys, in other words. Well, no, no. Okay. I, 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 well, first of all, use good you can save a lot of money. Yeah. It, the, what you don't do is do a side-by-side -side taste test because then you'll find yourself spending three times as much oh, because yeah. a good bourbon whiskey will... Well, especially with an old-fashioned or something like that where whiskey yeah, is the yeah, predominant yeah. 
You'll you tell know. you can tell the difference between a twenty dollar bottle and a seventy dollar yeah. bottle in a cocktail. You, you really can use can. anything yeah. you want. Four hundred dollar bottle iced tea, but in an old fashioned, maybe yeah. you should use good whiskey. A little bit nicer, hundred percent. Yeah, but <laughs> it's a huge. There's problem. nice. It gets up to a point. Where it's like, are you really putting mixer in that four hundred dollar bottle of whiskey? Yeah, no, exactly. Really Why not just drink that. it straight no. and uh, save the middleman? Yeah, there's always a line, you know. Yeah. But <laughs> I, but but a more expensive whiskey bourbon makes a difference, no doubt about yeah. it. Nice to know. Absolutely. And I, I am an expensive habit. I found in general that my relationship with spouses goes one of two ways. It's either stay away from that guy who costs <laughs> yes, us a lot of money. Right, or we need or, to see him more. Yeah, or, exactly. yeah, don't buy yeah. anything till you talk to him because he gets us the good stuff. Yeah. That's what Lisa right, well. tells me. Yes, yeah, so I have a good spouse. <laughs> hey, thank <laughs> you, Richard. Paul Therott is at therott.com, T-H-U-R-R-O-T-T.com. Uh, his book, uh, The Field Guide to Windows 11, is at leanpub.com, as is his newest book, Remind me what what's a pro, what is it Windows again? Windows everywhere. Windows everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, but not everywhere. Leanpub.com is actually where it is. It's also on Amazon now, by the way. Oh well, it is everywhere. All right, yeah. nice. Front Thank you, Paul. Anyway. Thank you, Richard. We do Windows Weekly uh, every Wednesday, eleven a.m. Pacific, two p.m. Eastern, eighteen hundred UTC. I tell you those times because you can you can watch live uh, at live.twit.tv, chat live at irc.twit.tv, or in the Club Twit Discord. Club Twit. Got to join it. Just got to say that. Paul does a great show called Hands on Windows, which is club only. There's Hands on Macintosh. There's all sorts of great stuff. And the new uh, Home Theater Geek show with Scott Wilkinson just emerging into the club as well. Uh, Twit.tv slash Club Twit. Seven bucks a month. Ad-free versions of all the shows. The Discord and and great programming. Uh, but no whiskey. Sorry. No, that's on. That's all on you. We're not allowed to sell whiskey, uh, which is probably Yet. a good thing. <laughs> Yet, <laughs> uh, after the fact, you can get the show at uh, twit.tv/ww. Uh, when you get to that web page, you'll also see a link to a YouTube page. That's uh, the show dedicated YouTube page. So that's another thing to know about if you want to share a clip or you just like watching the video. That's a place you can do that. Uh, I would say the best thing to do would be subscribe. We have links to the major podcast players, but it'll work on any podcast player. Just look for Windows Weekly. That way you'll get it automatically the minute it's available. Paul, Richard, have a wonderful week. Thank you. Thank you. You too. And uh, we'll back. see you uh, next time on Windows Weekly. And I have only one thing to say now. Ha! For relaxing times. Make it Suntory time. Kato, 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 kato. If you love all things Android, well, I've got a show for you to check out. It's called All About Android, and I'll give you three guesses what we talk about. We talk about Android, the latest news, hardware, apps. We answer feedback. It's me, Jason Howell, Ron Richards, Wintwit Dow, and a whole cast of awesome characters talking about the operating system that we love. You can find All About Android at twit.tv slash AAA.